just a story. Oh, that. Well, we, we didn't exactly believe your story, Miss... Uh, what is your name? Wonderly or LeBlanc? It's really O'Shaughnessy. Bridget O'Shaughnessy. We didn't exactly believe your story, Miss O'Shaughnessy. We believed you $200. You mean that... I mean you paid us more than if you'd been telling us the truth and enough more to make it all right. Tell me, Mr. Spade. Am I to blame for last night? Well, you warned us that Thursby was dangerous. Of course, you lied to us about your sister and all that, but that didn't count. We didn't believe you. No, I, I wouldn't say that you were at fault. Thank you. He would spend it on the pony. He would spend it on the girls. By his mother, Jen and Rose. For her poor old headed curls. And when his wife said, hey now, what did you get for me? I'm saving. Stop <laughs> yes, playing your video games because we're podcast time, so it's time for us to officially say hi and welcome. This is the Unnamed Movie Podcast. You and know. this is Andrew. Okay. This is hi. <laughs> I don't know how this podcast works. I know, right? It's been a while. It's been a while, guys. It's been a while. This is been... What was the last podcast we did? Last podcast we did was Hamilton, yeah. right? Yeah. Hamilton? Uh, 2016, something like so. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Hi, there's one more person. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that, that silence went too long. Um, but yeah, we're in a new world. It's now still quarantine, sadly, so we're still all at home. Damien and Douglas can't commune together and make fun without having to say the jokes out loud. So I can hear them. Yep. Right. Sucks. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a whole new world where now I've come to the decision I'm not editing podcasts Stop anymore. songs, Andrew. That's <laughs> I know Douglas is the same person. Because every time he said it, in my head, I was just like, Andrew has to stop saying this. <laughs> I mean, they own everything. They're telling us we have to pay to to put Mulan into the Disney platform, into the Disney subscription setup. Uh, so can so we I have mean... that discussion first? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Damien is upset. Yes. <laughs> Hot off the presses, guys. Um, <laughs> Disney's finally given in by wanting to test out this premium VOD market by adding Mulan to Disney+, Plus, but asking us to pay $30 or really asking Douglas where I would might press the button and then it charges Douglas's credit card. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, oh, yeah. God damn it. Uh, oh, wait. Um, I shouldn't laugh at Douglas because I have two small children with full access to my Disney Plus. <laughs> well, Damien, um, to be fair, at least we have no small children with access to our PlayStation accounts. Okay? Yeah, I mean, that is true. Jesus Christ. Um, they want you to spend $30 not to rent the movie, not to buy the movie, but to make it accessible within the Disney Plus platform. And you lose access to it any day that you rem- decide to no longer subscribe to Disney Plus, mm-hmm. separate and apart from making this Milan transaction. Um, Damien, I think this is where you want to kick it off. Yes. So Douglas is wrong. Just need to set that up front. Uh, Douglas is going to say some nonsense about uh, being able to 
get access to first round movies on this platform is the thing we've all hoped for for a long, long time. And while that statement is technically right, everything he builds off the back of that statement is 100% wrong. <laughs> because we're not talking about some small, insignificant company that no one has ever heard of. We're talking about Disney. <laughs> and Disney doesn't get to do this because they're Disney. If Disney wants me to use their platform, they need to make their platform as appealing as possible. And they should put any movies they have onto that platform as soon as they can. Not this silly nonsense that they're doing. Not charging me extra money. Whatever they need to do, whatever the math needs to work out to, build that into the subscription and go even have two tiers of Disney Plus. Have Disney Plus first run and then have standard Disney Plus. Make one $15 and the other one stay $6. That is a Disney problem. That is not a Damien problem. And then, whenever their movies come out, I get to watch their movies. And as long as I'm paying for their subscription, because that's how subscriptions work, I get to watch their movies. But this kind of shenanigans i'm not going to allow them to do because i have netflix the standard is netflix disney's competing with netflix and while netflix blockbusters are trash right now i understand that i've seen enough of them they're all bad andrew's hoping that um the movie from what's the guy's name um Charlie Kaufman. Right. He's hoping that that movie is going to be good. I think it's called I Think I'm Going to Leave or something like that. What's the name of that movie? I don't know the name. I don't know the name. I have to look it up now. Um, um, what did I put in our WhatsApp group? Um, the name of it is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Yes. Um, and while I'm interested in that, that is not a blockbuster movie. Like No one is putting that out to go, hey guys, come to the Netflix, theater. Netflix's next attempt at hitting the Oscars up for some money. Right. But which I feel, I feel, first of all, this is a completely separate conversation. Yes. Fuck the world if they somehow decide due to COVID to not have an Oscars ceremony next year. Not that we ever cared about the Oscars, yeah. but I sincerely would be interested to see what would win given the limited names out in right. 2020. Right. That would be fun. That's a separate conversation, but whatever. But knowing what's happening in America, you're hoping that there'd be some resolution to that by next year, and I have no confidence in it. Uh, I don't know if you heard what uh, the supreme leader of their country said in an interview recently about people dying. The man said it is what it is, which is uh, one of the greatest statements. <laughs> In, in history uh, but speaking of uh, terrible people making terrible decisions Disney doesn't get to do this we should not reward Disney for whatever it is they're trying to do uh, the economics is simple build your subscriber base and then you get to the point where you don't need it to come out in theaters to make similar amount of money your subscription will be enough that it that you'll bathe in money that is what netflix is doing and netflix doesn't have the catalog disney has 
what Disney should do is put everything behind this subscription model because it's free money. Whether people watch your blockbusters or not, you're going to still get the money. Half, like, let's say 90% of the things Netflix puts out, I don't watch. doesn't matter <laughs> to me or to Netflix that I don't watch them because they already have my money. I am going to give them, what's it, $180 for the year. Whether I watch the, whether I watch the thing, new things, yes or no. That is what Disney needs to compete against. And not against some nebulous service that has never existed. And not against an archaic business model that we should have gotten rid of a long time ago. So, okay, Damien. Yes. All right. You're proposing um, that this should just go straight into the streaming service. Yes. Right. Um, would you have been more okay with this move from them if it didn't have anything to do with their streaming service, where they did it like all the other studios during this time, where they just threw through all of the other rental services and they threw on the same price tag we're talking about now? Um, would it be the same for you? Would it be different? So for the other um, companies, they don't have the they don't have a platform like Disney Plus. They're not selling a Disney Plus platform. Some of them do. Um, Warner Brothers has HBO. Uh, yeah, but um, it's not it's not the same, Douglas. <laughs> How is it not the same? I pay fifteen dollars a month to get HBO Max. Mm -hmm. That is the same. Except it's three times as expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. Look, you paid for the Zack Snyder cut. That's what you did. <laughs> um, if you're paying, you're paying for HBO. You're not paying for Warner Brothers content. What you're paying for is HBO content. So there. Yeah, but th that's not. What I'm paying for is not what they have, right? I'm paying for what I want, my specific thing that is in there. But what they have that that they're getting money from me for is a distribution platform that they own. I'm saying if if it's Warner like Brothers me saying I don't pay for Amazon Prime Video, I do. I just don't care. <laughs> right? I'm, what I'm saying, Douglas, is if Warner Brothers name their service, build their service as Warner Plus, Warner Brothers Plus, and you get all that HBO in there, then I'd have had the same objection. HBO, whatever them call it at this point, I'm paying for HBO. Like, the thing they're selling is HBO content. Sure, what all of Warner's content can go there, but the thing they're selling is HBO. Also, Warner doesn't have the long-term plan to never put any of their things on another platform. That is Disney's end goal. That is their stated end goal. And in a couple of years, nothing from Disney will be anywhere else except <laughs> Disney+. Plus. They're selling, they're basically doing the Apple thing. They're building one giant silo for everything that... So if you think about Disney or Marvel or any of them umbrella things, you know exactly where to go. That is not what HBO is doing. HBO is selling HBO things 
And if HBO pulls out a movie now, if HBO built HBO Studios and said, give us 30 extra dollars for this HBO movie, you would even look at them, Douglas. <laughs> yeah. If they're like, um, we're having a Game of Thrones sequel, but you have to pay extra money on top to get that, you'd say no and don't even look at you. You just no, like it's, you, a, you, it's a different. I think I think the situation there is different, right? If you're talking about um, would something that would normally be on TV on the same TV channel that I already pay for, right? I have to pay for more, obviously. But that's not what is happening, right? And I actually have problems with what is happening as well. Uh, but we can talk about that later. At the end of the day, here is what is happening: Disney has a movie, right? Yes. And under normal circumstances, they would take that movie put it in theaters for like three to six months, mm -hmm. maybe three months, right? And you'd have to pay $15 or whatever it is, wherever you are, to go watch it one time, eat every time. Then it would put it on some sort of uh, rental platform. It wouldn't even go on Disney Plus yet. It'd go on some rental platform right. where, you know, you'd pay a, a $5 or $10 mm -hmm. to, to rent it digitally for maybe a couple months. And then it would go onto Disney Plus. I'll say for free, but you know it's not for free. It's for the right. right? Mm -hmm. No, what they're really doing, and I don't have a problem in principle with with adjusting things. Um, what they are, what I would like them to do is, but they, it don't make, I, I don't think anybody can do it, but at least not for blockbuster movies. Um, what they're about to do only, I think, works for middling to... to movies that are middling to probably never going to make money, um, is to figure out how do I, instead of doing this physical release, how do I release it digitally and make some level, some semblance of the amount of money I know I should be making, right? Because we have to um, face it. Disney was going to make billions of dollars on this movie, right? Um, and probably almost every other movie that was coming out from Disney. Um, because they just, you know, these tentpole movies, they were going to make a bag of money on right. Um So I have no issue. And I think Disney Plus is not the best place to do it, especially because of how, how what it is and how they structure it. And I don't like how they've structured even what they're doing now. But all they really need to do is to, as Andrew says... Said to people, hear what? I am not releasing this physically. Or maybe they'll have some limited physical release in countries like New Zealand where, you know, life is back to normal. Um, but put it online for, and I'm not going to argue over the price. I think $30 is a little high, but whatever that, that price is that works in the grand schemes of demand and supply economics. Uh, put it on uh, uh, there so that I can pay for it and rent it for a short period of time and watch it. And then after whatever period of time allows you to make back the most amount of money, you know, the, 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 the returns are slowly diminishing. Then you say, okay, put it onto my Disney Plus streaming service. That is what I would prefer them to do. And I even didn't have a problem when what I thought they were doing was putting it on the Disney Plus service in that way where you could watch it and rent it for three days for $30. And then it would go, it would show up in your stream and then mm -hmm. after three days it would go away. And right. eventually, I assumed, it would come into the general plot, pot of 
Disney Plus um, attractions. What I do not like is how they've structured it where they're telling me I own this thing. And I actually have a problem generally with what people consider digital ownership nowadays because it's really not a Disney Plus problem. Mm -hmm. It is a, a, a peop, a, an everybody problem, right? They tell you that you've bought something. You've paid $20, $16, $25, depends on what it is. Um, but you've paid some money and they tell you that you own it. First of all, you can't do what you want with it because you can only watch it while you're connected to the internet if you have that specific application downloaded and hope that your internet is good enough so that it actually looks as good as it's supposed to look. And if you don't have access to the internet at any particular time, you can't watch it. I know some of these things have gotten a little bit better with some downloading, but it's still effectively you're tethered to um, some sort of device, some sort of application. And I couldn't, for example, put it on my no-name brand phone or watch it on my, my big screen with pause buttons and all sorts of things that I love with my Kodi. Um, I, I couldn't take it to my friend's house and, and watch it with them. It's, it's weird, right? I don't like this concept of, one, not actually owning something that you said you've owned, and two, if that service, and it's happened before, right, it just hasn't happened often enough and big enough for people to get upset enough. But if that service decide, decides to go away, this thing that you thought you owned also goes away, which means that you, um, you've lost your money, right? Now, I would much prefer to own a physical thing, even a video cassette where I paid for it, but it broke or it has a shelf life because, you know, magnets um, and, and dirt, but at least I do own it and can do all the various things that, that you can do with things that you own, right? Um, this, this, this softening of ownership is, I think, the worst. Um, and then the last thing to come specifically to this situation, I really don't like how they've set it up because what they're saying to you, and I'm seeing both sides of the coin, right? Because I can almost get... If how, they've sell, if how they're selling it, and they haven't sold it this way, but if how they're selling this is, listen, it's not about ownership. It's not about renting. What it is, is you are unlocking something that will come on Disney Plus eventually, but you're unlocking it early. And to get that, you'll have to pay us a little extra. I could almost... It's what video games have been doing for years and people have been complaining about and finally they're seeing it in this way. For all yeah. those fuckers who pay that early fee so that you can play the game on Monday instead of Friday, go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you are assholes. Right? <laughs> I don't care. Like I saw this other day, I think it was when Ghost of Tsushima comes out. And actually, so one of the websites I read a lot and I, it's, it's, let me not say it's one of the best websites but it's a website I read for just general video game and tech news because I don't want to go as deep as The Verge, mm -hmm. but I don't want to go all the way to Kotaku. I want to go somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I read Polygon. Yes. And with literally every, every um, big video game release now, they have that article that goes up every time, which says, what version of the digital game 
five. And every time I read it, I roll my eyes and I say the cheapest one is yep. always the answer. Whatever is $60 is the one I'm going to buy. I don't want any of your digital garbage. <laughs> Give me the video um, It is ridiculous. But yes, Douglas, know that you, since you don't play games, you haven't had this problem. So yeah, please continue yeah. with welcome. discovering this problem. <laughs> Welcome. No, agreed. And and actually, you're right, Andrew, because a lot of people play, play video games. But in the grand scheme of, of the audience of media, it is probably still a small portion of people. So, as you say, as people are now going to see this in what is widely consumed, right? Movies, music. Well, more movies. Movies and television are more widely consumed, I would assume, Um than, than video games. So now people are going to really see it. But that I don't like, right? I, I can almost understand that there being a cost to unlock early if there is a long enough time frame between when I'm unlocking and when it's going to come on. But it still, it feels a little off. And what, what I don't like is, is when I look at it in the other way, which is how they're kind of selling it, which is that you're buying this thing. You've, I, I think it's unconscionable for you to tell me that I've purchased something, I own something, I've paid you money for something, but I also, in order to keep that thing, need to pay you on a monthly basis for the rest of my life. You're literally Microsoft black- Office. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you and I have had this conversation about how much I paid. <laughs> I mean, the old like I spent years trying to find an email client that worked for me before eventually giving up into into that bullshit 360 subscriptions. Yep. But yeah, it's it's disgusting. Uh, so am I not the only one who like looks for shady codes that you pay money for that gives you the unlock forever for the one version of Microsoft Office? Yeah, but one. What happens when they update Office? <laughs> well, I, I don't, don't need my... update. I don't need Office updates. I'm yeah. good. Exactly. I, I'm like that to Andrew. I didn't need an update for Office. So I actually bought an older version of Office, well, when it was new, um, either 16 or 18. But apparently, when you buy Office properly and put it on your computer and just have it there and don't pay the subscription fee, you don't get all of the Office suite. In particular, yep. they do not give you Outlook. The only way, unless somebody can tell me otherwise, and I'd love to know, but the only way I have found to actually get Outlook on your computer is to buy into this shitty subscription of Office 365. And finally, after trying Thunderbird, after trying, after even buying another one called Mailbird, after trying um, some E... I think I tried Mailbird and Thunderbird. Like, none of them ever worked the way I wanted them to work. They all had something that was just very bad. And Outlook, it just feels like work email to me. And of course, this is because um, I, I'm getting this because I want to be able to, to do work things at home. Um, so I ended up having to just get Outlook, or rather just get 360 so I could get Outlook, which is a big pain in the ass. So um, you tell your company to use G Suite. What's that? <laughs> tell your company to use G Suite. Yeah, man. Yeah, sure. I'd love to oh, <laughs> pay money to see T Tech try to. Implement G Suite. Oh, I'd pay money to say that. <laughs> but but anyway, this 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 rental thing it, it don't make any sense, right? What what they really should be doing is just saying, hey guys, listen, 
Um, the price is $30 if that's the price that they want. But you can go to whichever rental place you want, whether it's I like Google Play Store or maybe it's Voodoo, maybe it's, um, uh, what's it? F- not Fangoria, um, Fan something. There's, there's all sorts Fandango. of things, Fandango, right? Or Apple TV, whatever it is you want to, to rent this through, rent it. Pay me my money and I'll put it on Disney Plus eventually. That's really all they needed to do. Uh, I, I don't like how they, how they approach this one. And the sad thing is it's going to continue. The next fucking Marvel movie is going to come out and I know I'm going to spend money on it. So, Douglas... You know, when it hits for Black Widow, we're just going to be like, fuck it. Exactly. Right? So, <laughs> Douglas, how many... Like, maybe Mulan is probably not the the one, as you guys were saying a while ago. Um, so, this is not the hill um, to die on for most people. My question to you is, how many people do you think are going to give them the $30 to watch this movie? I think enough people will. Anyone with a child. Yeah. No, but they already have Disney Plus. I bet you when this shit hits, it's going to be so plastered on the front page that every child will turn it on and be like, Daddy, Daddy, Disney, Mulan is there. And you'll just, like, a good percentage of them will cave. I and think just this like, would be the perfect time to drive up their subscription numbers. Why accept third? That's what they did with Hamilton, though, right? Right. So Hamilton um, came out... Uh, and... Uh, and, and they, Lion King part two. Yeah, and the Lion King. And they specifically said that they put that one just generally. And they specifically said that like they have seen a huge surge. Now they have 3 million users just because of Hamilton. All of a sudden, Disney Plus has a reason to exist, essentially. I think Andrew said that in the group the other day. Um, but, but yeah, so clearly they've gotten to a point where their user base is pretty high. Because again... If it's is it three or thirty? Maybe it's thirty. It's probably thirty. Three is three, yeah. Think, three million is how many yeah. viewers came on in the first day. So I think right. it's thirty, right? Um, so if you think about that, right? And now I'm going to kick myself in the foot because I have been arguing with you at least off air that there are two different um, budgetary dynamics or economic dynamics of blockbusters versus what what can just go straight on streaming. Um, because you know you can make that extra money. Uh, but look at that number. If I have 30 million people who pay me $5 a month, that's $150 million per month, times that by 12. That is like $1.7, $1.8 billion a year? Mm-hmm. Shit. That is a hell of a lot of um, money. Wow. And when you, when you twin that with the fact that this is on, still only going to be a small piece of the total number of people who eventually get Disney Plus, because let's face it, Disney mm-hmm. Plus is going to become like Netflix and Hulu, right? Everybody, it, definitely in the US, is going to get it. And Disney Plus has already started with the strategy to say, listen, we are not like Hulu and this US-only bullshit. We are actually going to go throughout the world. And they started day one in a number of European markets. So I think they will end up having viewer numbers or or at least subscriber numbers in the region of Netflix. Uh, because, let's face it, Netflix had to fight for what they have. They had right. to create all of their new content. All Disney right. has Disney. Alright, so Douglas, um, I am now 
I'm reading an article on Variety.com. You're talking about the Disney Star thing? No. Okay. Um, it is specifically about what we're talking about. Yeah. It says, Milan to premiere on Disney Plus as streamers surpass 60 and a half million. There we Donald go. Robinson. There we go. <laughs> I am not giving Disney 10 cents. I don't give a fuck what the movie or TV show is. That is 300. And uh, let's do some quick math. Six times six is 360. So 360 million dollars every month on the back of Disney Plus subscribers. That is more money than they would have made for this Mulan movie, probably in its entire run. Yeah, so but Damien, here is your Douglas, You're Douglas. thinking, no, no, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You're thinking like a consumer mm -hmm. who doesn't want to pay money. You need to think like a businessman who wants to earn oh, no. money. No, 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 no. Right? If it wasn't for the pandemic, right, they still could have made that money plus the theater money. So right. that's what they're trying but to represent. Douglas, what I am I saying. I don't wrong them, but it's no, just. You of course, you Douglas. Right. You're Mr. Business. I understand. Yes, what I'm saying to you is <laughs> Netflix doesn't charge me when they put out their big movies. Yeah, Netflix also doesn't have any good movies. So No, no, know. but Douglas, we cannot use. Don't let, don't let, don't let Quran hear you say that. <laughs> also, also, we can't use subjective things. To determine how our business model works. <laughs> we might hate the movies, but there's people that disagree with us. There's people that think the old guard is good. They're wrong. They're wrong. But that doesn't mean anything. That drove up Netflix subscriber numbers. That terrible movies that no one should watch. They drive up Netflix subscriber subscription numbers. What I'm saying to you, Douglas Robinson, is we should not accept this from Disney. If they're putting it on their streaming service, they're not are not paying any extra money. Ever for anything. Either you put it on the service or you don't or you lock it away in the vault and let me decide if you continuing to do this means that I'm not going to pay for your service. But this kind of nonsense is also. This doesn't prevent them from releasing it in countries that have uh, that don't have the same struggles as America. They could release this movie in all of the Eastern countries and make a killing over there same way. <clears throat> right? If Netflix put out Andrew, if Netflix had put out um, what's the movie that you love? Um, what, Black Roma? and white. You're right. If Netflix oh. put out Roma, you'd have gone to watch Roma, right? Regardless I did. of right, regardless I, of I literally it was, did. I watched it twice at the light box. Right. If it was on Netflix and you're just like, yo, I can also go go watch this in a proper movie theater, you do that. Disney have the ability to do that. Netflix has chosen not to do that. But Disney don't get to quadruple deep Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Compete against Netflix is what you're supposed Douglas, you of all people should force Disney to compete with Netflix. That is what we actually want. Netflix to have some competition. Maybe then their movies would be better. Right now, Netflix just buck wild in the streets, putting out Umbrella Academy 2, which is hot garbage, instead of spending the money making good movies. <laughs>
But yeah, I think this 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 move they're doing is problematic. But guess what? The second they do it with a Marvel movie, no, I'm, going to I'm holding firm. I know I won't. <laughs> I'll hate myself, but I'm straight up going to pay. Douglas, you must have resolved. Oh, I can't wait for Black Widow. Uh-huh. I just need I just need the rest of the world to do the lifting for Mulan for me because I don't know if I have the willingness to do to to like to to do it for the sake of hoping it'll give me Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know I really don't want... Like, I, when it was coming out in the theater before all this shit happened, I was very much in the vein where I'm like, look, Lion King got me, even when I know it wasn't going to be good anyways, I'm not going to fucking Mulan, right? And I went to the, the Aladdin movie last year, I'm not fucking going to Mulan. And I decided not to. But at this point, with them teasing me to say, if this happens, maybe you'll get Black Widow... That sort of is up to make me to watch fucking Milan. I don't know. Um, I just wish they had done it for like the X Men movie that I want to watch. You sir have no resolve. Well, Andrew don't have any skin in the game because when Andrew clicks that button, is my credit card get <laughs> Yeah, so when I'm doing it, I'm doing it for evil purposes. It's it, it's the next day I suddenly see my login doesn't work. <laughs> You're like, what happened? Douglas, I can't log in to Disney Plus. <laughs> New phone, who this? Who this? <laughs> Douglas will never realize that's the worst part. <laughs> it's like, what is this email? <laughs> uh, every time the NFL um, messages me, I'm like, I need to cancel this thing before these cokehead people who would not have been an NFL bubble thinks they're going to take my money and then not show me any NFL games for eight years. Yeah, and why do they really think they can do this without a bubble? Because they're the, one of the worst run leagues in the world. The NBA actually looks like they're doing yeah. good. Yeah. Up to the end of July, they still had zero um, positives. Because Adam Silver actually cares about his players and the NFL couldn't care any less about theirs. But anyway, speaking about terrible things, we have some movies to talk about. Right. You know, we usually don't start these podcasts with tirades about things going on with movies, but here, let's talk about old movies. Because yeah. here, first of all, we're here to talk about, let me bring this up, the 1978 film directed by Robert Moore, um, The Cheap Detective. Neil Simon. Get me homicide. Huh? Never mind. I'm sorry. I I must have dropped off. I'm glad you spoke up. I was just going to arrange to have you buried. I haven't had much sleep lately. I've, I've been under a great strain. I don't suppose you'd have a drink. <laughs> Dry martini? Oh. Olive or onion? Onion, please. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that was the end of the clip. <laughs> <laughs> It was a bad trailer. Um, it was also a bad movie. Um, I'm, 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 I'm spoiling the reviews. Um, but herein lies the 1978 film The Cheap Detective, starring one Mr. Peter Falk, better known as Columbo himself, um, in a satirical gag movie in which basically someone just riffs every Humphrey Bogart story possible and just has has Columbo play as a bumbling detective. Um, 
I was quite upset when I saw Douglas pick this movie because I like it looked like something I'd seen before. And then I came to realize that legitimately the only other movie this director has made is the movie I thought this was, murder which is murder, um, murder by Death, yeah. which is basically a clue joke and Chris and Columbo is in this as well, um, where it is just ridiculous gag comedy um, and Truman Capote is in that one. And I think it was the first time I saw the real Truman Capote and not just um, the Capote movie that had philip seymour hoffman in it which i thought i thought at the time was a strange performance because i didn't know what the real capote was like mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um but yeah so anyways back to this movie this movie is really fucking weird it's really strange i i was upset with douglas because i had a certain idea as to what this movie was going to be then i pressed play on it and colombo pointed a gun at a phone mm-hmm. and i was dying with <laughs> laughter mm-hmm. And then I didn't laugh again for the rest of the movie. So, <laughs> so like that was my experience, yeah. right? Like, like I think like the movie started out to the point where I was like, maybe this movie might be the right kind of stupid, yeah. right? But also, I feel like this kind of stupid can't be for me at least at this stage can't be held for ninety minutes anymore, right? Um. Damien, you are the king of stupid. Hey, 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 hey. I am the commissioner, <laughs> sir. All right, commissioner. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Um, yet you're not as bad as the NFL. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How did this movie play for you? Uh, Andrew, at the start of this movie, I got about 10 minutes of naked gun vibes of this movie, I was just like, oh, this is like Blazing Saddles and um, Naked Gun. It's just them making fun of this entire thing. Like the lady who came in and had 19 million names and he was just like, listen, listen, you need to go back, uh, pick a different name and come back to me. For about 10 minutes, I was like, all right, let's see where this is going to go. And then uh, the movie kept going. And they're, I mean, they're making fun of the, the, the gumshoe detective type movies. But the jokes didn't land. They're just, the jokes just weren't, they weren't funny enough to pull you through the movie. And if I wasn't watching actual garbage, I was planning to watch um, some of the Naked Gun movies to see if they still work for me. I have a feeling they might, but I don't know. Uh, but this movie is just off. This is just an awful, awful movie. Mercifully, it's an hour and a half. Um, and you feel the entire runtime. Uh, there was one point towards the end of the movie where um, his secretary finally admits that she loves him and there's like one good line there and I was just like yeah I guess that's kind of clever um, there there are some other fun things like a gun being pointed behind curtains and I mean this was this was a thing at the start of the movie 
that was called back at the end of the movie when people get shot they just die in place like there's no ragdolling uh people just wherever they get shot they just stand still and die and you saw it in the beginning and it didn't make sense and you didn't i didn't realize immediately that it was being played for laughs and so when they did call that back in the end i was just like well i guess no and he's like i just wish for once people would die normally and you're like all right movie Clearly, someone had like a good premise, but the rest of this movie is so is so bad that like it it wasn't this movie. It feels like what the National Lampoon's movie became. Like they had the ones in the eighties, and then they made Van Wilder, and that one was like incredibly popular and then they kept making movies that no one saw and i remember watching like one in like 2008 or something like that i was just blown away by how bad it was i was like who is like who thinks this is funny and who is watching who is this for i don't understand who these jokes are for the acting isn't good like there's there's just nothing there to to like um it's i guess it's like the way on the late version like late williams brothers movies like they made the one um where they were mocking 50 shades of gray i don't even remember what the name of that one was oh yeah i remember that one and the entire time watching that i'm just like oh these guys Maybe these guys were never funny at any point. Marlon definitely wasn't. And I mean, you watch um, How to Be a Menace in society. I've watched that recently, and that is still legitimately funny. So I'm not sure what happened, but this, like, even for me, somebody that was like looking for looking for something in this movie to mock and laugh at, there's just like when this when the movie ended i felt relief <laughs> and that's not that's not the feeling that you're supposed to have when a movie is over when that movie is a comedy uh a horror movies maybe uh thrillers maybe but a comedy you, you shouldn't get to the end and be like thank christ that is over <laughs> At least I'll have to do this anyway. Uh, last week when I finished watching the movie, I was just like, I need Douglas to explain how we got here. And then Douglas explained how we got here. And that is the only legitimately dumb and funny thing about this entire pro- this entire movie watching process. Yeah. How yeah. Douglas came to this point. <laughs> so Douglas... Yes, Would sir. you care to explain to me how, how did we get here? Yeah, how we got here. Because I didn't already know the answer. And it is dumber than I thought it was. I love it. So so recently I have had to install a couple apps because of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, two of those apps are NBC's Peacock and CBS's All Access. Damon, I think I told you CBS, but I think it actually might have been NBC. I can't remember which this show was on, but because I downloaded those apps, I think it's NBC. 
I noticed they have the back catalog of Colombo on. Now, Damien, I grew up in a household where Colombo is revered as the deity uh, god that he is. As he should be. As he should be. And uh, so I'm he, a Matlock man, so I disagree. <laughs> I used to watch Matlock, but I mean, come on. So he wears the same suit every day. And I mean, listen. I'll take Murder, I'll she wrote over. 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 <laughs> Murder, she wrote. I'll know. take her over everybody else. Yep, murder sure. How dare you? MVP. Matlock, Matlock is just a, a poor man's Andy Griffith. We need the Andy Griffith. It's all about MacGyver. MacGyver. That's, oh, that, that's cheating. That... <laughs> he solves crimes, doesn't he? He solves crimes. Right? But anyway, right? I actually turned on Colombo. I watched the first episode of Colombo, and it was great for a number of reasons. One, Colombo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Hawk is amazing, but also things like I didn't, you didn't realize how long ago Colombo started. So even things like the way they use telephones was different. You picked up the phone and asked the operator to to take to connect you to somebody, yep. as opposed to dialing a number, dialing the actual number. Yep. And so that was you know a fun a fun moment. But when I did that, I said, you know what? Peter Falk is amazing. We don't give him the credit that that is due to him generally. And so we need to do that. And I then went down a rabbit hole. Why did you pick the worst Peter Falk movie? Hold on. (laughs) What Peter Falk movie I was going to pick? No, I picked another Peter Falk movie first. I picked, and it was also a detective. Well, I don't know if it was a detective, but a police movie um, called Mikey and Nikki. And... Andrew immediately in the group says, "Absolutely not! I've watched no this way. movie. <laughs> I did not. I was not that harsh. I, am I basically gave you again. the same thing I would give it for this movie. I went like, really, Douglas? Yeah. But we know what that means. Then, we can read I, between the lines, Andrew. And then you just didn't have the resolve to say yes, Andrew. <laughs> and so, but as Damon says, we know what that means. And mm-hmm. so I went and I said, you know what? Let's not go for hard-boiled. Let's not go for, like, a serious thing. Let's do dumb comedy. And I saw it, and I said, you know what? I'll try this. As much as I actually did know about the connection to Murder by Death, but I don't have as negative a view of Murder by Death as you do, Andrew. It is not a good movie. I'll start there. But it's also not as bad. Like, I... Maybe it's because I watched it when I was younger, because it sounds like... Because you were talking about watching it after um, movies that came out recently. So I remember watching this when I was in like high school, uh, Murder by Death on HBO. And, I and probably that. saw that movie like maybe four or five years ago. Like I was, I, w- I think I was in the mode of like watching a bunch of Sidney Lumet films. And I saw this movie called Trapped or something like this. Mm-hmm. Death Trap was the name of it. And that movie looked similar to Murder by Death. So I'm like, I'm down. Let's go and watch this. And no. Yeah, death but... Trap, please. Murder by Death, no. Yeah, Murder by Death is not great. But it's something that if if I still watch TV the way I used to watch TV, and it was on, I would watch it. Because it's, it's, it's all right. And I believe my recollection is that Peter Sellers is in that movie as well. Um, yep, he is. Yeah. I, I have a, a soft space in my heart for Peter Sellers. I'll forgive a lot of Peter Sellers. Um, but 
Yeah, so that's how we got here, right? Now, what I do want to do is just to, to list a few names. So, so let's start. Uh, Scatman Crothers, mm-hmm. or as, as I like to call him, Scatman Carruthers, because that's how all rappers pronounce his name so that they get an extra syllable in. Um, James Cromwell, Peter Falk, and Margaret, Sid Caesar, Stucker Channing, Dom DeLuise, Madeline Kahn. These oh, are DeLuise. all, yeah, I love Dom DeLuise. These are all great, um, whether it's comedic actors or, or, or just general talents uh, that are in this movie. And it is genuinely saddening that all of these people combine to make a movie as shit as this one. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is, and Damien, you described it perfectly. Andrew as well. Um, it starts off with, you know, the gun pointing in the phone. And I say, yes, you are going down the direction I want. And it just never gels after that. There are a couple of things here and there specifically that you might chuckle at. You might say, oh, that's a, that's a decent concept. Maybe if you spent a little more time in the fucking writer's room, you make it funny. Um, but it just doesn't get to... It doesn't get beyond so bad that it's funny. It's generally just bad. Um, and it's not even... Actually, I don't even really want to use the word bad. What the right way to describe this film is meh. It's boring. It doesn't do anything it kind of just meanders for an hour and a half and luckily it's only an hour and a half one thing i will say though is that there are some hour and a half movies that feel like five hours this isn't exactly gripping but it isn't that bad it doesn't feel like an overly long movie after it's finished you do feel as damien said relief but you haven't been sweating the whole time uh so i'll give it that but it's, it's hard to say good things about this movie other than to say that I like the people in them. I wish they had made a better one. I am always saddened when I see Madeleine Khan wasted. Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> she's in a lot of my favorite Mel Brooks movies. Mm-hmm. She's in Clue. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, I still have this in my mind. I know this is a not nice thing to keep remembering, but even the Cosby Second series, that big, the older Cosby series she was in, I always have fond memories of her being in that show. So why is it not a nice thing to remember, Andrew? Because people don't like to say Cosby. <laughs> people don't want to say Cosby existed. But yeah, it's... I truly love Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn. I think I think one of my favorite like scenes I can remember in is in one of what I call the more middling Mel Brooks movies, um, High Anxiety, where he was just spoofing Hitchcock, um, and they do the whole thing of them going up to her room in this hotel, which is uh, reminiscent of North by Northwest, and like she's just like throwing things at him to like throw off his balance literally and it is ridiculous and i love it it's i i like that movie more i think i like that movie more than a lot than a lot of other mel brooks movies just because there are more songs in it 
because because wow. even though even even though like he does have songs in his movies, he always feels like he has to force one in just for the sake of it. Anxiety has a lot of songs in him. I really like it, but you know whatever. Um, this movie's not good. Um, the detective definitely was cheap. Um, <laughs> probably the writers were the cheapest. Yep. I, that's the best jokes I came up with yep. for well, the title well, of this movie. The, the joke that I've come up with is that clearly the salesman from the next movie we're going to talk about sold these, this detective. <laughs> because if you want to talk about bad movies, Andrew, oh boy, we've got another one coming right up. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. I am here to tell you, Douglas, that yes. I would watch The Salesman before watching this movie. <laughs> wow, damn it, that's serious. <laughs> so let's, roll into that. Let's, let's roll into that, because I think we've said all we really need to say about The Cheap Detective. Mm-hmm. So goodbye, Peter Falk. You were in better movies, and it wasn't Mikey and Nikki, but there were better ones. There are many people who know the Bible. There are many people who can quote from the Bible. But you're somewhat different. You know the business. Be very proud of your position. Stop thinking in terms of Bible peddling. Because I'm confident that once you realize what you are doing for others, you and your own esteem will rise so high, not with conceit, but in humility, knowing that you have the privilege and the power to be of service to others. I wanted us to spend some time going through some films that we normally would not. And one of the one of the genre of films that I feel we generally have a lot of difficulty with is the genre of the documentary, right? And even though we've talked about documentaries from time to time, from the Oppenheimers to the Werner Herzogs um, to even the the national geographic-esque things mm-hmm. the the one thing i feel that we've not generally talked about is the the documentaries that follow the credence especially those that seem to have started it in a more serious vein um follow the credence of literally not trying to put on any airs as to the, in, the interviewing of documentaries but the actual just documenting of real life of just having things happen and just editing it together. And one of the names that always come up in those conversations I found are the Maisels brothers, um, Albert and David Maisels, who they were cinematographers on other film, on other, as Douglas would call them, quote unquote, real movies. Um, <laughs> but their, their passion in itself were documentaries. And we're going to be talking about three of their documentaries over the next three episodes. And we're going to start this week with their 1969 film, Salesman in which they followed a group of Bible salesmen um, through, um, through America selling Bibles, right? Um, pretty straightforward. Um, I don't really want to lead this up too much because I'm going to be quite honest, this movie wasn't for me. It, it, didn't, it didn't kick me the way I wanted this movie to kick me. What I did find fascinating was generally just seeing these characters in this space because seeing these people who genuinely i think i've only seen as jokes in other movies of being the quote-unquote bible salesman um was fascinating to me because like it like it just played like that like 
seeing those scenes of them like in people's homes where you can see those people definitely did not either have the interest or the finances to buy these overly expensive Bibles and seeing them just continue to push forward minute by minute, word by word of trying to get that sale was at times interesting, but at the other, at the other end of it was just monotony. And I definitely didn't like this movie. I definitely would not watch this movie ever again. But I'd like to say there's something there a little bit, but still, whatever. It's not it's it's not the hill I'm dying on, is what I'm trying to say, Damien. Yes. <laughs> um I I'll hand it over to you at this point, Damien. Alright. So we talked earlier about uh, Cheap Detective, which is it's garbage. <laughs> there's there's nothing there. This movie isn't great. It's a documentary about Bible salesmen and it is literally following a group of men who go and pester people inside their homes to sell them Bibles in a time where you could do that. Um, if you tried to sell a Bible in 2020, uh, unless it is gold-plated, people wouldn't even waste the time to laugh at you. You can't, Bibles are so useless at this point, you can't give them away. But it was fascinating to me to see that these people were just regular salesmen. Um, the, the, the point that I was most um, fascinated by this movie is when they went to the, the first time they shot the, the salesman conference. And there was a guy who he had the most sales and he was the leading sales guy or whatever. And it was clear that the rest of these guys don't care about what is in the book. They're just about selling these Bibles. And then the guy got up and he's like, listen, you should think of yourselves as, you know, warriors for Christ and like giving a whole um, church spiel about selling these books, which the, the guys that they were following were not about. And that is the part that that is the lens that I watched the remainder of the movie through. Trying to trying to see where the similarities were and differences were between all of the things that I was told at church. Because it is just, it is the same sales pitch. Whether they're selling the Bible or the religion, the sales pitch that these guys gave was basically the same. And what I would have wanted them to, to do is like go all the way and find out um, who, because they're they're doing it under the guise of helping out churches. So they go and they talk to church people to see if it makes sense to sell these books in their neighborhoods. Like the whole thing. And I was looking at it and going, it cannot be, it can be this straightforward. I always assumed that there was some, there was like a little bit of obfuscation when it came to when it came to selling the Bible. I thought it was church first and Bible second. 
I didn't realize that there was a time in history where they were just like, listen, sell these books. And the guys selling the books had no connection to the... Tr I thought it was always basically missionary work and you had to pay these guys um, basically a cut. I didn't realize that, no. <laughs> this was straight up. We need to... Because they were like, I'm going to... I want to make... 27,000 and another guys, I want to make 32,000. And one guy is like, I think I can make 50,000. And you're like, if these books cost $50 and you get half of the money, how many books would you have to sell to make $50,000? And you're like, oh no, you guys have to sell. To make $50,000, you'd have to sell 2,000. Like, how do you find 2,000 people to buy <laughs> this book like you're pestering these people and that is the part of the movie that uh worked for me this movie though is let down by the fact that it is very te it is a tedious movie it is monotonous to say the least they spend a lot of time talking to these dudes they're playing poker or whatever uh, and they're badgering people like that is the entirety of the movie and there's no growth there's no angle the directors aren't trying to prove any kind of point like there's times when they call like their wives and stuff but like it is and maybe it's because we i we grew up in the real world era like we know what reality tv looks like for us but this guy is just like, no, you should be fascinated just to see into people's lives. Like, it doesn't matter how boring the people's lives are. The fact that I have a camera showing you this boring thing in and of itself should be fascinating. I'm sure it was at the time. At least I hope it was at the time. But, like, seeing that in 2020 when we have networks dedicated to reality TV, because that's basically what this is. Like, this is less documentary and more reality TV. And you watch it and you're just like, I see now why they had to have producers come in and manipulate all of these things in order to make it watchable, I guess, because of shorter attention spans. <laughs> like, how do you cut a promo for this movie? Unlike, say, we were, say, VH1 was putting this movie out and they're like listen you need to come back for the next segment of this movie what exactly do you show and i don't know but um i still was i still was engaged by the fact that these guys were um selling these books uh more so than the other movie that we talked about douglas you seem to I mean, there's not much to love about this movie, but you seem to really despise this movie. I, I wouldn't say I really despise this movie. Obviously, I don't have much good to say about this movie. What I will say is this. So, it this movie already started on the back foot with me because it is a documentary. And um, that's not necessarily my cup of tea, right? Uh, but I think... My real issue with this movie, and I know this is a me thing, is I can get behind a documentary if there really is a through line. 
but that wasn't the case here. You know, I can get behind a documentary that is that that says, "Listen here, Douglas, I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to, or I'm going to tell you this thing. I'm going to build up to some sort of fact that that um, you need to know, or I am going to show you how something has." how some situation has developed and occurred over time and so that there is some sort of narrative some sort of uh, uh culmination that the movie is trying to come to but that wasn't the case here it you know uh, it, it, i think with documentaries you don't necessarily as a cr documentary crew come into the situation with a preconceived notion or a preconceived point that you want to make. Some people do, but I know that some people don't, and they're just like, hey, we'll, we'll hang out with you for six months and see what happens, and then build something around that. And maybe that's what happened here, but there was nothing to build around, right? At the end of the day, this movie was about four or five people who, are, uh, who do one of the most horrible things as a living and <laughs> just, just them sitting down chatting or um showing you how how they badger regular people into making a bad financial decision yep. all right uh, so there was no development of any characters really the closest thing i could say that the there was to to some sort of change or evolution was I got the impression that the old man um, wasn't doing well and probably either quit or got fired at the end of the movie but that's about as much as I got out of this film so I think I wish that the approach to this movie was I'm going to show you something I don't think uh, other than showing me that they can sit down in a hotel and play poker, I don't think this movie really showed me anything, really taught me anything about these people um, or, or, or about how something changed or, or something happened in this time. And that um, is, it, it's upsetting. And, you know, I know this is a subject... Damien, yeah. Damien, I want to tell you my favorite through line of this podcast is the stretch of Douglas going from defending Disney mm -hmm. Disney tactics to being against the man selling the Bible. Of course. Well, no. <laughs> Speaking of bad financial decisions. Let's be, let's be clear. I have the option to choose not to push that button. And nobody has put themselves inside my house, right? Mm -hmm. And um, trying to 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 use all sorts of um, all sorts of ways to to waste my time and make me spend the money. Yeah, yeah that's not is, what Disney Plus is going to do when Mulan comes out. All Disney Plus is doing is putting it out there and saying, "Sure, if you want to, fine." Um, Disney Plus is not in my house. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a person in my house that is is bitch slapping me with the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> These are two very different. <laughs> you, sir, uh, are against capitalism. <laughs> Goddamn communist. <laughs> Disney is not robo-calling me. Sir, you're a communist. Douglas, you need to buy um, 
Mulan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I feel like my where where I'm coming from is probably more um, of it wanting or of me wanting it to look like a, a regular narrative movie or you know fake movie fake story movie rather than a, a documentary but i don't feel that like the documentary had much to say and that was really its downfall for me right i i'm just it's just so it's just so weird to think about people like that selling the bible you assumed it would be people tied to the at least i assumed it would have been people tied to the church but I'm assuming people who actually who actually drink the kool-aid right but i think once i saw this i was just like no damon you're dumb this has nothing to do with anything outside of making this is just about making money so you get the people who are the best at badgering people to do you don't ask random church people to do that you get grifters to force people to buy these things and i it's it's it was fascinating to me that i'd never made that connection before um the thing the thing that i'm also that also found strange is that when i think when i think american um documentaries i only picture ken burns that's the only person that I think of and his style of making documentaries. And then everything else is either like nature documentaries and then you have... Uh, but when I think about this type of documentary uh, that is hyper-focused on people, I think Ken Burns. But this is as far away from a Ken's, Ken Burns documentary as it could be because Ke- all of his documentaries are like this is the thing you know and this is the thing that carries that ties everything together and he'll take 400 years if that is what it takes to get you from start to end which is why i love his um documentaries that is also part of the reason i've never recommended us watch one on this because i think his smallest one is like seven hours (laughs) and we can't do that (laughs) But, oh, I mean, if you if you want to talk about long ass documentaries that are hyper focused, or I think actually the right word for them is actually not focused; it's the complete opposite. They just widen the angle yeah. as much as possible. Is Frederick Wiseman? Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of his films. They tend to start the low the low numbers tend to start at like four and a half hours. Yeah, right. Um, and oh, they're they're large. <laughs> Um, let me just, I just need to double check this quickly because I don't want to get the number wrong. Um, so Ken Burns has a documentary on Vietnam that aired on television and it clocked in at 11 hours. So. <laughs> nightly episodes, nightly episodes, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's like it's like eventually someone is going to start calling the Last Dance a ten-hour documentary right. instead of a series, right. right? But he, no, but at least the Last Dance was structured where they're like, all right, we're cutting it up year after year, and we do like 
he's just like they cut it at an hour. There's no natural stopping point. They're just like one hour is done. Add credits. We'll see you tomorrow on CBS. Sorry, no, it was TBS. And then you just show up again. And so, but like this documentary didn't have Douglas said it. There's no through line, and so. But this, it's, it's also so old that I don't know if it is reasonable of me to hope for a through line. I don't know if that was an expectation and it is something that these guys are doing to subvert that. I have no idea. I don't have enough context to know. But if that is the case, regardless, this movie suffers from old movieitis. It's a, it's a thing that we, we haven't really brought up because... Um, we watched all those old movies a couple of years ago when we were going through the Casablancas or whatever and realized quickly that a lot of these movies, while they're revered and we academically can understand what these movies stood for at the time, they're so old that they're no longer engaging or fun to watch. And anyone that says otherwise is lying to themselves. <laughs> this is one of those movies where even if you have the context and you know academically why this is significant and you can trace the path from this movie to every documentary that ever was made afterwards, that is fine. It doesn't make the movie any more watchable. It doesn't make it any gooder. It's just a boring black and white document. Speaking of, but speaking of things that aren't boring, boy, this basketball game is good. Which one? <laughs> I'm watching the Clippers. I can't watch the, the Blazers one. Yes, the Clippers one are talking. Yeah. I haven't been paying enough attention, but yeah, it looks pretty yeah. good. Sorry. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> poor, Zinkas, poor Zingas is out here cooking. I, I can't help myself. I apologize. <laughs> and, and of course, Damien, you didn't even allow Andrew some sort of time so that he could get a cut point yes <laughs> can you, I, I can only imagine andrew got up i'm i'm, I'm anti-editing podcasting these days <laughs> unless unless you guys do something truly horrendous like i'm just i'm just i'm just cutting merging and uploading i mean yes, i'm here to tell you that for a couple of weeks now andrew has been given a limited amount <laughs> There are at least three things now that you need to cut out from this podcast, Andrew. No, these podcasts are just for Damien, so you can leave all of this in. Um, so, so the only thing I'd say about documentaries from these guys, since you mentioned this, Damien, is uh, so the one that we have coming up next episode, I've actually seen before. Okay. Um, he, it very much is similar to this in that he just kind of goes and then. I'd like to believe he pretty much finds out what he wants to make the movie about as he goes on. I am very fascinated to see the final one we're going to talk about, Grey Gardens, because it is a it's a film that is beloved because of how crazy the subjects are. Ah, right. So it's, uh, it's one of the. It's the yeah. It's one of the, tiger. Go for it. What's the name it's, of that? It's tiger? a tiger king. Yeah, it's a tiger, a tiger king, king, king thing, right. Entry, right? Um. So it's. It's a, like knowing what they do with documentaries to hear that they have subjects like that coming up. I'm like looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, I truly do like, um, or at least 
I have a lot of defenses to um, give me shelter, which we'll talk about on the next episode. Um, and Douglas will probably enjoy it a bit more because it's mostly it's a lot of music in it too because it's oh, the Rolling Stones. Oh yes, right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it's a lot of good things in there, and there's some bonkers stuff in there. I love. Um. But yeah, they are definitely the type where they just kind of went to make this super like we'll find anything we can. We're just going to stick with these people for a year. And then we'll figure out what the movie is. <laughs> and <laughs> kind of people I got the feeling from. Um, and it's something that, according to the context of what I've read about documentaries and about them, is something that they popularized to a certain degree. Uh-huh. Something that we now see today. So, which is why I picked them as like, let's talk about them. Right. Right. The Maisel's brothers. Um, yeah. I'm sure there are other people who helped make this happen for anyone listening to this who wants to be. No, Andrew, you should listen. You should watch those other documentarians. Guess what, guys? Recommend them. I'll watch them. Also, but I we'll... know these guys were, were part of the path. Yeah. Also, we'll get there eventually. There's not that much to watch at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with COVID happening, we have to. There's nothing else to watch. There are no new movies happening. <laughs> exactly. There are lots of old movies to watch. I have um, been embarking on one of the most pointless ventures of my entire life. <laughs> I, what is that? I have been re... I've basically been going through an um, auditory history of rap. Where I'm just like, I'm just like, alright. Let's start from the 80s and just work my way forward. Some of these I'd have heard. Some of these I would not have heard. Let me just hear where all of the influences and stuff came from and go through because there's there's always going to be gaps and I've listened to enough rap that I should I should just know some of these things and I've started going down that road. And let me tell you, the 80s were terrible for rap music. I'm here to tell you, maybe we don't need to go back there. Uh, every 80s song sounds like you know when white people have their grandmothers or mothers rap music you're just like oh this is what all of this is stemming from <laughs> and I have been regretting it so far but I'm not going to stop let me push through um, this is your quarantine this is your quarantine thing actually no I was outside of quarantine when <laughs> to do this I started this ad in like the middle of July. Um, I was just like, let me go back and find out. Um, it it actually came from, I think you were the one that put up the breakdown of the Buster Rhymes thing. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Wax. The, I, I discovered yeah, the this YouTube only. series, yeah. the Wax Only series, where they show you where all the samples come right. from. I found it very therapeutic just to listen to those videos. And so I, of I course, think... burned through all of those. Spoke to oh, jo- I've, not, I've not been that bad. Yeah. I, I still, I just randomly watch them. Spoke <laughs> to Joel. Joel gave me some other um, YouTube thing that um, does the same thing, but comes at it from another angle where they're just like, this is the history of some of the most iconic songs and albums and whatnot. Um, found out that Quali has a podcast. Yep. going down this road um yeah, yeah, the patreon as well yeah and <laughs> then to leave twitter because yeah. twitter 
<laughs> and then um, there was this other guy who he was basically chronicling the history of rap and he's taking his sweet time. And I'm just like, you know what? I should go and listen to uh, instead of just having him tell me that this is what this album did. I have time. Let me just go listen to them. And it's so far, it's been uh, more punishment than entertainment. But um, I'm going to keep going because eventually I'll get to the 90s. <laughs> where uh, those will be the songs that uh, are basically the songs that raised me and I'd have known and loved most of those songs so that's basically what I'm waiting on and then Dread once I pass like 2005 because then I'm going to hopefully the man is dead by the time he gets there so I don't have to keep doing this uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, what on earth were we talking I don't remember what we were talking about I think at that point we're like done with salesman. I think All now right. we're just kind of moving into like our other stuff. What you've been watching. So Damien, since you're you're mm. on this Exodus, what more do you have to tell us that you've been enjoying these oh. past while since we last spoke? So me and Douglas have a conversation. Yeah, but we need to have that. That that's a a, a show ender. Damien. No, uh-uh. no, uh-uh. Right. Douglas is show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> so, all right. So, Andrew, you haven't watched this show. Um, and Not a minute of it. The closest sure. I've come to it is I know there's supposedly a dance scene because everyone talks about it, and I've seen, like, a YouTube clip. Right. So, um, let, me, let me just give you um, the long and short of this terrible, terrible TV show. Um, there is a match. Season one is establishing what damn the umbrella academy is um there's a guy who has paid for um seven children they were all born on the same day through for reasons that aren't explained and they all develop different powers again for reasons that aren't explained and you are immediately jumped ahead to uh the apocalypse and one of the guys, one of the guys can time travel and he jumps back into the past, which is present day for us. And <laughs> I'm already confused. Right. And then he <laughs> reconnects with his family and he's like, yo, in a couple of days, the world is going to end. I jumped into the future, got stuck in the apocalypse. I'm back here to tell you that we need to stop the apocalypse. And that is the brunt of the show they're trying to find a way to stop the apocalypse. Here is the problem with this TV show, Andrew Robinson. Every other movie or whatever, every other superhero-based thing would then spend the bulk of the time working out and actively stopping whatever the threat is. But this TV show thinks it's clever. It is like, what if we waste your time just telling mundane shitty stories about these people that have nothing to do with powers. It's just them hating their father who abused them as children. And then at the very end, they're just like, oh yeah, here's one episode where things happen. It is the Game of Thronesification of a superhero show 
which should have worked for Douglas and which would have probably worked for you, Andrew, if the talking bits were good. The problem is the talking bits are terrible and the action parts are non-existent. So you come to the end of the show and you're just like, why have I wasted 10 hours? And I had said that for the first season, knowing full well when they announced the second season, I was the first one to laugh and go, there's no, there's just no way. Who would watch the second season? And then Douglas is like, Damon, I've started watching the second season. And he didn't immediately say, and it is the worst thing in history. He kind of left it open enough. And I know there's times Douglas is like, listen, it's not good, good, but it's kind of good, which is, the I call that the Sabrina realm. <laughs> and then there is the, um, what's the green, uh, the green arrow guy? There's the green arrow slash flash realm, which is, this has been bad and getting worse for a while. But Douglas is trapped forever, and so you can't listen to anything that he says. The thing is, I like Sabrina, and I couldn't tell if his smirk recently was... And I didn't ask him directly, because I know he'd lie to force me to watch it with him. So I was trying to read him, and I read wrong. <laughs> this is just that. <laughs> the second season is way worse than the first season. <laughs> because the second season's book ended with action scenes. The very first clip you see is them in the on brand new apocalypse. And the very last episode is them in some big world-shattering fight. But both those scenes are garbage. And then there's 10 episodes of talking. And the talking is... The, Andrew Roberts, it is just the absolute worst. It is storylines that... No one on earth could have gotten away with writing if you were writing standalone stories. And the fact that they've basically piled on top of each other terrible stories and then had like superpowers in there, kind of for reasons. You're just like, I don't. And the thing is, Andrew, there's there's times when they get like kind of slapstick they're just like listen this is being played for laughs and then you're like is that what the, is this supposed to be funny is this another orange is the new black type thing where there's going to be people who look at me and they'll be like oh no it's a comedy and then you watch it and there's no jokes and they're trying to deal with quote-unquote serious topics and you're just like is if this is a comedy, you people have lost touch with what jokes are because there's no jokes. And that is a similar situation here where there's no jokes. There should be jokes. There's room for jokes. But there's none. And then it's definitely not serious enough for some of the storylines they're doing. Which, Andrew, they've gone back into the past and there's a one black character, so of course she's involved with um, getting black people right, and um, she's in that movement. And you're just like, you guys could have done this in the '80s and avoided this whole thing because this is you guys don't have the skill to to do this storyline. And then Ellen Page is in there, 
and she's contractually obligated to be gain literally everything she's in. And so she's in love with some woman who is married to uh, this guy who, I Sneaky guess... Pete six. Sneaky Pete's sister. Yeah, I guess who doesn't love her anymore. And they have a child that is um, differently abled. And you're just like, again, guys, you guys don't have the the goodnessity to tackle these. So your guys are terrible at everything that is happening here. And then there's teleportation and time travel. There's also no aliens for some reason. And Andrew, it is... Here's... It is... It is so bad that I am... Despite the fact that Douglas didn't force me to watch this, I am angry with Douglas for watching <laughs> That is how bad this TV is. Like, it is... You remember when you used to watch Girls and you convinced yourself it was good even though it was garbage and I had watched some of them yeah. and I watched some of them and then was upset with you? It is that... Yeah. It is that feeling times the feelings of succession. That is where I am with the umbrella color. And I'm focusing <laughs> all of this on Douglas. And he doesn't care. He's laughing on the other end because he's a bastard. <laughs> In a basket. <laughs> uh, it is truly some of the worst TV on TV, Andrew Robinson. You shouldn't never watch this. Oh, is it on this... TV if it's Netflix? That is what TV is, right? At this point, it's just Netflix. Yeah, Andrew, it's TV because it's not HBO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damon, this show is bad. It's, it's so really bad. bad. But I have to apologize to you. Because I was under the assumption that we were on the same page. Uh, because we had this conversation last year when we both got tricked into watching this show. Yes. We both watched it. We both hated it. Mm -hmm. And I said something to the effect of it's so bad, but I know I'm going to watch a second season. And you said something, you know... Uh, you may have grunted yes. and uh, <laughs> yes. I took it as acknowledgement. <laughs> so when I started watching this show, I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and also, I knew I just wanted to be able to talk to you about it. So I wanted you to watch it with me. At, at no point did I think that this was going to be a good experience. Oh my God, and so and again, I know I am still going to continue. I'm going to watch a third season whenever it comes out. Douglas, I, I regret to inform you that you are going to <laughs> die on that boat alone. <laughs> the weird thing about this is, so I, maybe it's because I had already watched the first season and knew what I was getting myself into and a bar had been moved. But I had a, I don't want to say I liked it more, but I had an easier time of it. <laughs> <laughs> This go around. It was easy to get through all of the season. I watched this in, I think, two sittings over one weekend. And it, I think, also a big part of it is just morbid curiosity for me because it gets so bad that I want to see where it goes. 
right? I want to see what is the next stupid decision they're about to make. Uh, so, you know, they now have a shadow family, which is going to be hilarious. Like, this this show is so bad. Um, Douglas, it, it feels like they looked at every point where they could have made a good decision. It felt like there was someone there deliberately going, no. <laughs> like, accidentally, they should have hit on something. And just time and again, like, D Douglas, the, the, the dead brother, right? Adra also, there's a guy that can commune with the dead and one of the dead people he talks to frequently is their surrogate brother. Douglas, Sorry, are we talking about pushing daisies? No, no, we're talking. Is that about, coming back? When is pushing daisies coming back? Never. <laughs> uh, Why would you talk about pushing daisies then, Damien? How uh, dare you do that to me? Douglas, if they were only having him in the show for two seasons, so that he could disintegrate at the end, what was the point of having him there, Douglas? What are you talking about? He's back. Like work no, I understand that at the very end they're like he he's risen. I am saying Douglas. Where, at what point were we supposed to feel any connection to this person? So that when he dies, it would have mattered. Damien, you're asking questions that you ask of people that make good television also Don't ask those questions also you know what the fun part of superpowers are watching people learn or test the limits of their powers but none of that is ever done in this show and can you tell me why douglas because they're all um great they're all champions of their skills <laughs> and they had a chance with the Swedes to do something that um, that Preacher did, right? Which is just have these silent... Like, even um, Breaking Bad had that, where there were just dudes that went around silently murdering everything. And you're just like, all right, I can get down with uh, silent killers. And not even... like. They, they didn't even get that part right. Douglas Hall. What I will say for this show is that there was one moment. All right. One moment that I enjoyed. And it was in the middle of the second season somewhere. Uh, the So, Andrew, this family, they have names, but they also go by numbers because their adopted father is an asshole. Correct. So they didn't actually get names. I think they just got numbers. Number right, one, number two, all the way right. to seven. Mm -hmm. Number one is a big burly fellow who at some point in this season uh, became a fighter. Mm -hmm. And he was in a boxing match. He was fighting an unlicensed boxing match. Mm -hmm. And um, he allows somebody to beat him because he has superpowers. He can mop the floor with anybody, but he allows somebody to beat him for reasons. Mm -hmm. And that fellow finishes him with an uppercut yep. where he then goes flying through the, the sky 
and I saw was the it scene. a fatality or a bestiality? It might as well be a fatality. It was in slow motion and yeah. everything. So I saw it, right? And immediately I said to myself, boy, somebody clearly watched Snatch because it was the same exact scene, Andrew, as when Brad Pitt uh, fell from the upper Did he fall was, into the water? He didn't fall in the, into the water, but he, he fell the same way. It was the same, um, the same visuals. And then as soon as he fell, so I had my chocolate and I said, all right, fine. But as soon as he fell, they actually started playing the song that was in Snatch. And I was like, okay, all right, Shit, you, guys, you guys got it. You, you, you did it. Um, what clearly. Well, what was the song again? I can't remember at this stage. Um, but oh. I, I just do remember that it was. Was one it the, of the Golden songs. Brown song? I don't even know who Golden Brown is. All right. So, uh, um, Douglas, I will, least... give you, I will give you that point. Yeah. That yeah point, so, so there's one person in there that, you know, has our sense of humor. No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. no Douglas, no, no, I'm to, stopping to you right talk, here. That's it. Andrew <laughs> Robinson, there is a point where some gentlemen called the Swedes lose one of the members, uh, pass away. And these people put a Swedish rendition of Adele's Hello. Yes. And for is that, I am... Swedish? Yes, it is in Swedish. Okay. And for that, I am deducting 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at minus nine now. Yep. <laughs> so I will give you a point, Douglas. No problem. But Ten I am... <laughs> deducting 10 points from my already score that is zero. <laughs> for, for what is only the second most egregious use of a song I've heard in the last 30 days. Number one is still a video game called Crossfire X that has a slowed down, sultry version of DMX's X Gone Give It To You. That Douglas, I think you need to give a listen to. Uh, it, is, uh, it is the worst. Um, yeah, the, Douglas, your this show, you should stop. Don't this show is bad. It's bad. It's but I have some sort of morbid curiosity, as I say. In terms of seeing what, Douglas, what is nothing to begin from this. To me? I can't. I can't anymore. <laughs> I can't. It's now two seasons of some of the worst TV. It it doesn't even have um the Santa Clarita Diet is another TV show that oh, Netflix boy. has. That, that is, is one that I couldn't get the the. Uh, the effort up to start the second season. Right. Oh my God. But because um, Timothy Oliphant is in there <laughs> and Joel McHale is in there from time to time and there's actual jokes in there from time to time, even though it is bad, I find myself going, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll see what is happening here. But there's, there's nothing for me in the umbrella. Academy. The thing that upsets me is that I really like Robert Sheehan, who is the one that communes with ghosts. Yes. And he actually does a pretty good job of what he does in this yes. show. 
right? But it's just surrounded by garbage. Him and, and Five are the ones that yeah, are doing yeah. real, real work. Yeah. And I'm impressed every time, especially Five and, as you say, he, the ghost guys on the screen. Because they're clearly better than everybody. Or at least are trying harder than everybody else. And Five actually should get a lot of credit because I thought to myself while I was watching it to say, how is this guy so good? He must be like 40, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe he, he just looks young. This fellow is actually 16 yeah. years old. Yeah, he's a child. He's a child. Yeah. And it's um, incredible what he's doing. Yeah. I'm just upset that he's doing it in a show that I would rather... Uh, I'd rather do a lot of things. I can't even come up with a list at this point. Yeah, but ever since Misfits, I've loved Robert Sheehan. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, you know, me watching my like, British shows, I see him every once in a while. But I'd love him to be in more things. Actually, I think he has an opportunity because if um, Ezra Miller, Miller yeah. if Ezra Miller fucks up his Flash thing, Right, because he's clearly doing mm -hmm. his very best, his level best, yes. to get fired from every uh, opportunity that he has. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> but if he gets fired, there was a moment it, while watching this show that I realized, hold on, this guy looks exactly like Ezra Miller. He should just replace him, and he does the Ezra Miller thing, right? Yeah. At least how Ezra Miller acts as a Flash is how Robert Sheehan acts all the time so he could slot in and nobody would <laughs> right and he has the american accent down pat because he's yeah. british but he speaks in american in this show and in you know as with all brits they they know where the money is they know that you have to speak in the american accent um but he's good yes guys if you need to fire ezra Take a look at Robert Sheehan. He's amazing. Don't just not make a Flash movie because I feel like that one would be a good one. But movie. here's the thing. What if they don't make a Flash movie? Yeah, that would be a <laughs> <laughs> um, What is extra infuriating is that in a couple days, there'll be The Boys Season 2. And yes. never has there it. been a bigger juxtaposition between the goodnessity of two things. Mm -hmm. The Boys is better than I thought it would have been. And the Umbrella Academy is vastly worse than anyone could have imagined. <laughs> I started re-watching The Boys last night. Because God, it's so, I, went to the, I went on Amazon, right? Yeah. Just to see what the hell was on there. Because every once in a while something pops up. And it had in big bold letters, Boys coming back in September. And I was like, oh, I need to prepare. Yes. <laughs> I love that show, Damien. It's Douglas, it's... Andrew, have you seen The Boys? Still haven't started. All right, that you should watch. I'm not sure what you're currently watching, but you should watch The Boys. And there's Andrew, nothing Andrew. like TV show-wise we're watching. Um, we did, and I was going to kind of mention this, we did decide to start uh, an exodus of re-watching Sopranos. How about watching The Expanse? Um, <laughs> no. No, That's Expanse not going to work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm we're still in the first season. We're like almost done the first season, and Sopranos is still fun. Like it's hilarious to me to watch that show now. How many years removed from whenever that show aired? Um, I still feel like 
the guy who plays Polly Walnuts has only played that character for anything he's in. <laughs> um, and it reminds me how much I loved Christopher Moltisanti. And that's his name. His name is Christopher Moltisanti. He's not whatever his real name is. Like, they made a dumbass show. Yes. Like, I think at some point I thought this was a serious HBO drama the way they do, like, all their other serious movie shows. Um, but this is just a really dumbass it mob. It is show. that at times, which is why I really enjoyed The Sopranos. Um, unlike The Wire, which is The Wire at all times, <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. And then every now and again, very bad things and serious things start to happen. But this yeah. show wasn't always, always felt like satire to me and not, oh, oh this, is, this is the realest of all real shows. Well, I remember in the middle there, maybe season five or season four, I feel like there was one season about feelings. But yeah, for the most part, it's just dumb mob fun. Yeah. So I think the thing that made me laugh the most, and it happens really early, um, I think it's either the second or the third episode, there's a point where they're like at some club and uh, Martin Scorsese like runs by and every, like, there's a whole crowd of people. Like, you barely even see Scorsese. If someone told me it wasn't Scorsese, I'd believe them, right? <laughs> That's kind of what it is. But all the cameras are going off, and um, Christopher Moltisanti is there. And what does he scream to Scorsese other than, I love Kundun, and that just made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I mean, there's a gentleman who is referred to as Big Pussy. So... <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> To this day, I am still so. So I don't know if you knew this or if you remember this, Damien. Um, at one point, JBC was playing Sopranos. I did not know that. I, I um, yeah. And what I found hilarious, like of course, because it's no one like regular television, like yeah. on public TV, they had to do a lot of censoring. Right. They did not censor whenever they mentioned Big Pussy in reference to the character. Right. Because that, that is, is a proper name. Yeah. And not, and not the genitalia. <laughs> I used to find that he. But uh, anytime they said it in reference to genitalia, it was. Right. Censored. They're just like, no, we have standards here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's hilarious. Anyways, I really wasn't going to hijack this to talk about Sopranos, but that's oh, no. what we've been watching TV wise. Oh, no. Everything outside of me watching that terrible Umbrella Academy show is sports. Like, I am. <laughs> I have nothing else to offer this podcast. I have been droning myself in, in sweet, sweet sports. Okay. I have a lot of things to talk about. Um, a lot of things I'm going to go quickly through because they're really bad. Um, <laughs> which, is my, which I feel is my MO these days. Like, if I feel it's not really worth talking about, I'll be like, hey, I watched it. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I talked about Sopranos, which we've been watching and having fun with. Um, so a lot of things, it's been a while. Um, let me start with the, the movies that are, are bad, right? Um, I watched this movie by the name of The People versus Larry Flint. Oh, okay. I think I've, I saw that. Um, that's it's from the... Movie. It's an older movie. It's, yeah. it's I'm trying to remember old. the year now. It's like, no. like eight, ninety-seven with Woody Harrelson. Yeah, with, yeah. with Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love. Love. Um, right, where he's the penthouse guy, right? Yeah. Penthouse, um, um, hostel, 
hustle. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's sadly I know all of that, but I've never watched a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a movie that I kept telling myself to watch. I I keep seeing it like in all of these streaming services, and I'm like, that's a movie that I think got an Oscar nomination, which it did. It like was got like lots of acting nominations and stuff. And uh, it's like it's always in those categories of like great nominated movies or something. I'm like, I want to watch that. Also, Edward Norton's in this goddamn movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, did not like this movie. It's, not it rem- <laughs> it's like it's one of these movies where I feel like it needed a little bit more Wolf of Wall Street energy. Like it was kind of reaching to that energy, but it didn't know how to make that kind of movie sort of at the time. I don't know. Uh, but it just, it never played well. Like, the movie it reminded me the most of, and it might have just been because Woody Harrelson and that sort of, like, um, style to it, it reminded me a little bit of Natural Born Killers, which is a movie I've been meaning to rewatch forever. I I have no opinion on that movie right now as to whether I like or dislike that movie, because I, I don't think I've seen that movie in, like, 20 years. Me that, movie is, that movie is essentially uh, a bad LSD trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah People vs. Larry Flint it's not a good movie I don't care what nominations it got it's bad um, moving along um, I watched this movie called Heartburn which is from the 80s with um, Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep I know this movie this movie I know this movie <laughs> <laughs> what is your opinion of this movie David? it is a Meryl Streep movie and so I should not see this it is not good, but I still like that movie a lot. It was actually an endearing movie. Like, <laughs> this, is, this isn't the movie you talk about when you talk about the highs of Meryl Streep. No! <laughs> but it, I sort of was alright with this movie. Like It played that middle ground so well. Um, um, this is a movie that reminds me... The second you said the name, I was immediately transported back to Reddell's Road in my living room with my sisters watching this terrible movie uh, repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> we saw this movie a lot. Oh, that movie's not good. I love it, though. And I mean, this is a movie directed by Mike Nichols, somebody who I actually really like. Or at least, I think it's that I like the movies I've seen from him. I don't know if, like, if I went through everything, I would like go to bat for him. But like, this is a guy who made The Graduate. He made Closer. You mean Charlie Wilson's War movies? I like, right? I would like closer. I like closer. Go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to entertain conversations bad minding closer. Right? You you need to book no, me I, for a special I, I, podcast. I, 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 I'm right? going to be entertained. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, Heartburn. If you want to watch Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep fall in love and have yep. a relationship and have babies... That is have... that is unbelievable. They have very little chemistry in this movie. <laughs> and that is what is so fun about this movie. Because it is two people that even though the movie is trying its best to convince you, kind of like each other, have nothing on screen to that is believable. And I love it for it. Um, going back into me catching up with really old movies that I think I probably watched like when I was like maybe 10 in my grandmother's apartment at night, but I have no recollection of 
Um, I watched The Abyss, the James Cameron movie. Oh my god! I've actually been, funnily enough, I've been watching that on HBO Max. I love that movie. That movie's amazing. No! What? Incorrect, <laughs> sir! Come on, Jim Cameron In- is a great Correct! <laughs> so I didn't realize that James Cameron actually made Avatar 2 already in 2010. <laughs> right? and this was Avatar 1. I didn't know right? that. Um, this movie feels like his first Avatar. Like It feels like everything James Cameron is great at, and at the same time, everything he learned not to be bad at over the years. Um, so I appreciate that Michael Bean is in this movie being so Michael Bean, right? I appreciate that Ed Harris is so awesome, and I appreciate all of the ridiculous effect work that Matt James Cameron puts into his movies, and this movie is awesome for it. However, mm-hmm. I don't like this movie as a whole, as a whole thing. Yeah, because you have to right? watch it with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I... Like, this is the kind of movie where, like, if we were to do a James Cameron marathon, we would look back on and be like, it's nice that he learned all his mis- from his mistakes there and, like, improved for Terminator. Except he didn't, because he still made Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> no, Avatar was like, was like the, the you know, people, like, have this career and then they peak mm-hmm. and then they start going over the peak and it's yeah. downhill. That's the downhill. They start believing in their own hype. He's just like, right. of course Abyss was good. Fuck you, people. <laughs> it's, a, it's the same thing that got Scorsese to release a four-hour cut of Irishman. Yeah. Right? Um, it's it's just ego. And you, you kind of have to hope that that's another stumbling block that he learns from. And then <laughs> Avatar 2 comes out and it's really Terminator. Um, and it's just great. Um, so yeah, Abyss, I don't really want to go too deep into it. But they're good things, they're bad things. Just not not on my list of I need to keep. Um, You're wrong, Douglas. So, so the next two, the next two movies are movies that I want to really brush past because um, I feel like we've talked about them to some degree. Um, last Christmas I watched. It is okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> um, it's a movie from last year with directed by Paul Feig with yes. Emilia Clark, where she, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and everyone saw the trailer and said, I bet you that's what happens in the movie. And you are and... right. <laughs> and you know, the worst part about it is, I was actually upset that what everyone theorized, which I had agreed with, happens, but I thought it was due to mental illness. Nope. And then it's when, even dumber. It the movie, when, it, when the movie comes around, I'm like, oh, they did that, which yeah. is kind of like a TV episode plot thing people do a lot of the times, I feel. It's um, so dumb. So dumb. Whatever. Um, the movie was fun. Like, the movie is one of those movies which is not a good movie, but you kind of coast on how cute it is. Yeah. And how much you like the, ca- the actors doing their things. Having like, it even... said Christmas is a good decision. Because um... it's that kind of movie. It's a Christmas. Something you can put on the TV and no one in the family will be upset. Uh, why am I bad at finding things on my computer? Right. Um, right. I don't know why my brain blanked, but even something as silly, not silly, but as small as Michelle Yeoh in this movie. Yes. Right. Um, the, the guy, Henry Mm -hmm. Golding guy who is famous now for being in crazy rich Asians. Um, Mm -hmm. he was great. Like, yep. This movie is just filled with those moments, and it is fine. Um, it is a fun movie, and it's, fine. Um, it's one of those. 
the next one I want to talk about, which I want to skirt past even faster, t- bringing it back to James Cameron, I watched the new Terminator. Um, Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why? It's not good. Why? It's not good. I actually what? even told him about it and that he shouldn't, but he went, out, went ahead and did it. Uh, Why would you do this? Because I did, okay? Um... <laughs> What I find funny oh is that the God. movie sets itself up in a way where it's like, so we're only caring about Terminator 1 and 2 because those are the good movies. Mm-hmm. Now let's roll with this story. Forget about the other ones that are bad. Let's roll. And it was still bad. Um, what about Salvation? That was good, huh? Guys? Salvation, eh? Uh, yeah. Terminator is straight. It and Aliens it should just never be made movies out of again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but if, if we take that logic, world. you would have never gotten your predator. So you I know. lock it in. The, I, I listen to save me from a laundry list of garbage. <laughs> I'd have given up on a fun, a fun movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd make that trade any day, any time. It's time. All it's right, time cool. we after this. So, so now I really want to get into the other movies. Um, so um, quickly. I watched Black is King, like everyone else in the world. Um, the new Beyonce visual album uh-uh. in which she apologizes for Lion King. Um, so... <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what they're doing. I, I still haven't finished this yet, but boy. <laughs> so you guys remember, like, I forgot what year it was um, that Lemonade came out and I went hard yep. to you guys espousing how awesome Lemonade is. Look, this is not that. Right, yeah. I'm not going to go that crazy for this one. I did appreciate it. I really liked a good amount of the songs. I what I really truly love, truly love about this, and it reminds me of what I loved about Lemonade was I just love seeing the opulence that Beyonce puts on. Right, she put she. There is so much work into designing the the visuals that they make into this thing that I adore looking at it. This is. This is a just a great like if we want to talk about movies as visual storytelling, this is a great use of that. I don't think that it is perfect. I don't think that this is like the the thing that you should teach in schools to be like this is the perfect visual storytelling, but this is pretty much just a great use of it, and I love seeing it happen. Right. Um, so yeah, Damian. Before yes. Andrew moves on. You and I need to have a conversation. What's up? Uh, specifically because Andrew just, you know, lauded this 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 goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not finished it yet, but what I will say about these visuals is, sure, some of them are pretty, but it's so boring. And Damien, so boring. Uh, I don't like it, it, it. It's hard to watch. Um, the songs are okay. But and some and Andrew you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've read somewhere that the songs are from an album that came out two years ago. Is that true? It came out, I believe, around the time the movie came out. So last year. Okay, so last year. So Damien, if you want to listen to this music, buy the album. Don't watch this bullshit movie that is it's just bad music videos, one after the other. That's all it is. So Douglas. Um, no, no. The funny thing is, I I will go to bat for lemonade. I enjoy the lemonade mm-hmm. visuals, uh, but this, oh my god, 
boring as fuck. So there's been there's there's been two of these things prior. There was the lemonade one, and then there's the childish Gambino one. Oh, by the way, that's the other thing, and I meant to say that mm-hmm. because I was going to talk about this as well. Um, anybody who wants to watch this, stop mm-hmm. and watch Guava Island. At least that one is fun, right. <laughs> and the music. And it's so fun that it made me like bad music. So, Damien, that made me like that shitty song. What is it? What is it? Um, this is America. Right. I love that song now because of that movie. <laughs> so, um, this might open me up to the wrath of all the internet because if you say bad things about Beyonce or Childish Gambino, apparently the internet will have you cancelled. Uh, I haven't said this on air before because I don't want them to shoot Andrew. I did not like Lemonade. Hmm. And uh, what you what was the other one? Island that, Fever? Guava Island. Right. Mango Island. I think your microphone has been cancelled. Right. I also did not like Mango Island. Is uh, Mango or Guava? I feel like it's Guava. <laughs> He, I have this problem where when I watch music videos, I spend more time watching the music video than listening to the music because the music video distracts me f- from the music. Uh, and these music videos make no sense. And then Is after. That why you close captions. Right. That's why I put closed captions on music videos <laughs> and sports. Uh, the best part of Lemonade was when um, the adventures of Kimmy Schmidt did their um, satire of it Uh, I enjoyed that but not so much the whole Lemonade experience when I listen to music I listen to music with my ears and not my eyes and I've never been a fan of any of these things. And so I will give the Beyonce music a listen to. Um, but I will not be watching this for any reason. I can't. I, can't, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm sure someone will make one one day that I'll like. I guess it, is Hamilton technically one of these? Because if that's the case, I like Hamilton. So we finally have something that I like. But outside of that. Hamilton is the one edge case. Everything else is just—it's uh, not David, fun. You you watch the um the Lonely Island baseball thing, right? Yes. I guess that's that's one of these things. Yeah, but that's that's played for laughs the entire time. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's different. They're actually making like they're not they're not they're trying to sell or make real quote unquote music. But listen, I know I'm weird about this. I'm also the person that gets annoyed when I go to live performances and have the musicians sing their songs wrong or off key or in a different way than I remember it in the album. I'm that crazy person. I don't like live albums for that reason because the songs sound wrong. I know it's the people's song. I understand that. But they still sound wrong. (laughs) I don't enjoy them. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, at least you know you're wrong. Yeah, 
I'll accept in this case, I'll accept that I'm the one that is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um so the last thing I want to talk about. Um I actually have another movie, but I'm like, fuck it, I don't want to talk about that movie. Um <laughs> The last thing I want to talk about is actually a 2020 film. Um, it's a technically a documentary, but this isn't really a documentary to me. It's it's closer to what Hamilton is, where it's just a recording of a live event. Um, this one is called the Beastie Boy Story. So um, this was this is an event that was put on um, in which two of the Beastie Boys, the living members of the Beastie Boys. Um, I'm now trying to pull up their names because I don't remember their names right now. Adam Horowitz and Michael Diamond. Yoch died. Yoch is the one who died. Um, The two of them put on this event to just kind of talk about the history of the Beastie Boys and talk through um, what they did. Um, it's, It's an event that was... It's a stage event that was directed by Spike Jones, like the the filmed one is. And what I loved about it is it doesn't feel like a TED talky thing where they're just on the stage and they are telling us an oral history of the Beastie Boys. Um, a band group that I personally have had mixed feelings on where I love their singles a good amount. I like their top hits, right? So like i have sabotage. Sure. I'm like down with the sabotage, right? Um, but anytime I try to like pick up an album and like listen to the full album, I'm like, eh, I don't think I like these men- many of these songs. Hey Douglas, hey Douglas, <laughs> Douglas. Literally had this conversation. Hi, <laughs> hi Douglas. <laughs> what up? No, <laughs> I am very much the opposite of that. I You're wrong. <laughs> you haven't listened to these albums in forever. Robinson, go look back. Um, Questlove's three sets. On... <laughs> Good. Okay. All right, Douglas. Fine. Or was it one set? I can't yeah. remember, but he definitely did at least one full night of it. <laughs> of Beastie Boys music. Maybe I'll listen to it. Maybe he found the good cuts for yeah, me. Yeah, the, <laughs> the seven good songs in a decade of producing music. However... I do. F- I did find it just genuinely fascinating hearing them talk about what they did and like the story of their music career. Um, and it doesn't even feel as trite as how a lot of talking head documentaries do make this feel, where you're like, okay, you step one, you kind of didn't know anyone. You just made an album in a basement and someone heard you. And it, like, it doesn't feel as trite as that. Like right. because they put on this whole performance on the stage. Um, it kind of works a lot more and I like it. Like, I think what I like, what I found even cute was the, and this wasn't really a part of it. Like it's a part like in the end credits where they show you that they had like a plant of like Ben Stiller showing up to like jive them about like the album that failed, that truly flopped, like their second album. Um, Yeah, I think that's the name of it. Um, the one, the one where they came back and they did it independently, and they just kind of flopped out, and they and ever and they just went like, well, I guess no one wants us, but they'd be like, they kind of brushed it off, and then you'd have Ben Stiller be like, but let's talk about the innovation of Paul's boutique that no one liked, um, and like that's kind of cute. 
Um, they'd have a lot of jokes with Spike Jones himself. And it's not like Spike Jones is on the stage. They'd just be like, yo, Spike, why did you mess up the stage thing? Where it's obvious like they've honed that joke over however long they toured the show. Um, it was it was a fun documentary. It's and I mean y- you can feel about this how you want. It's kind of sad that this is locked to Apple. Um, this is on the Apple service thing. This on this this documentary is on the whatever. I I had a friend. Oh, Team Apple. <laughs> yeah. No, his name is Cook. His name is Cook. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it's it is it, it it was I was surprised by how much I enjoyed um just going through this story with these two characters of Mike Diamond and Adam Horowitz. Um, it's a it's a good it's a good like history of music if you like seeing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does sound like it could be interesting. But it's on Apple TV though. Yeah, how how will we ever watch it? I have to tell you, I've seen a few ads, or maybe not ads, a few articles about things that seem interesting that are going to be. Did you just get drive by by Jaru? Yep. (laughs) That is precisely what happened. Like, at first, I'm like, is Damien making a joke where he's like putting up his phone to like attack us with Jaru? Who who listens to Jaru in the car? A tremendous question. It's been happening more and more recently. But yeah, I've been seeing a, a few articles about things that seem interesting that are going to be on Apple TV, and I'm just like, really, guys? Can you not have it somewhere that I already have one of the million services that I already have? No, you uh, need yeah. to spend thirty dollars on Disney Plus to get it. Damn it. <laughs> And it's, you know what it is, so? It's because it's Apple. Because any other service, I might be tempted to just install it and try it out for a month or something. But Apple TV's, uh, Apple's ecosystem is so shitty. And I don't even know how the hell I'd pay for it. Also, yeah. Also, you'd need some Apple product to watch it on. I actually do have an Apple TV. You know, the truth of the matter is that I've not looked into it because of how much I hate Apple's ecosystem. Yep. That I'm pretty sure, I'd like to believe that these guys, knowing how business works, they would have solved that problem for me to say that, oh, all right, right, we let people who don't own an iPhone <laughs> to buy this because we want money. If there's one company I, I would accept, I would know that they're the only company I am 100% certain would do something that stupid. <laughs> They'll be like, listen, the only way to watch this thing is to get Apple products. Um, oh, wait, look at that. Apple TV is actually on other things. It has uh, a Roku app. It has a Fire TV app. So maybe uh-huh. it has an Android app because it's Fire <laughs> TV. <laughs> All right, look. So I'll look, at, I'll look later. That's, that's interesting. And then if it does and it allows me to pay through Google, then I might. <laughs> Can you imagine what I think if Apple lets you pay for something through Google? It's just no way. I can't see it happening. Uh, I'd have a better time believing that Xbox Game Pass thing is coming to PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what you're describing. 
okay, so we can talk about a few things I've been watching. So I think first off, I'm not going to talk about this movie, but Andrew Damian, I think you need to congratulate me. This week I officially I officially went into double digits on Hamilton. <laughs> 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 Good job, son. And you made a joke about how many times I've watched it, and so I actually counted. Apparently, I've watched it now 10 times. Well done. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I cannot believe it. But okay, <laughs> I'm not sure, I can't remember because it's been a while if we talked about Palm Springs on the last podcast. I don't, I don't think we did. No, we didn't. I watched Palm Springs, folks. What is your opinion? I enjoy the shit out of that movie. He loves Andy Sandberg. Exactly. It's not a good movie, yeah. uh, but it is enjoyable there, and there is enough laugh and sh- laugh to, to not laugh in ratio in terms of me sitting down in front of the, the television, and the shenanigans in there are fun enough for me to really get behind it. Uh, you know, Andy Sandberg is great. Uh, my wife from um, How I Met My Wife is great. Uh, <laughs> my wife from How oh, I Met My Wife. <laughs> well done, it's brother. mother, actually, but I come Well done. Mother. I am aware that it is mother. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you have J.K. Simmons um, doing his thing, so it's great. I, I enjoy the movie. It's, it's a dumb, shitty movie, shitty comedy that is... Uh, Groundhog's Day on drugs. It's great. Um, I also, in the time since our last podcast, rewatched The Town. Uh, I should watch that movie again. Yeah. So, I, and I think I spoke about this on the podcast, I listened to a couple episodes of The Rewatchables, and this was one of the movies that they were talking about. And the way they spoke about it just made me really want to watch it again. I don't think I've seen it since it first came out. I actually watched it at a real movie theater in when I went to LA in um, 2010 or whenever that was. And I remember enjoying it and thinking it was okay. Uh, I now have seen it again and really appreciate it. So it's a, a good crime movie yeah i don't know that it's like you know anything spectacular it definitely doesn't blow me away the way that i remember his first movie blowing me away um the one about the child what was that called again um but i do enjoy it it's 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 very cool it has some fun uh i wouldn't call them action scenes but like tense moments of shoot them up and um and robbery so it's pretty good oh, that's uh i also watch shit gone baby gone i've not thought about that movie in a bit <laughs> i rewatch wind river love wind river yeah you do um so damien hi i hear your complaints on the umbrella academy Yes. And I raise you some Uh complaints of my own on the old guard. You Uh motherfucker. I am pointing the blame directly at you for for making me watch that movie. Uh Uh-huh. You're welcome. (laughs) Guard is so bad. Yeah. 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 And I specifically asked you, Uh is it the kind of bad that I would enjoy? 
And you said, yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. No, it's not. Everyone. I am aware of this. <laughs> You'll notice every time since you've asked me throughout this whole podcast, I've referred to it as garbage. Because I know you would have watched this movie. <laughs> oh, this movie is just god-awful. It's, um, it's a Netflix movie. It is yeah. the best one they've made, and it is still trash. It's not the best one they've made. That's not true. There are better ones. Uh, all right, listen, we're not we're taking Roma out of this. It's, this is yeah. me and you talking, Douglas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one is better than this? All right, I'm, I'm not going to mention um, the, the one that I like, right? Because I know you're going to have is? a problem. Um, always be my maybe. All right, no. Uh, right, yeah, so we're taking that out of the argument as well. But better than this, definitely the Will Smith movie is better than this. Is it? Um, it is because I didn't. Bright is up. as bad as this. I did not throw up after I finished watching. <laughs> okay. Listen, I was in the same mood and state of mind watching Bright as watching the old guard, which is who is doing this? Why is this happening? <laughs> who who wrote, who who ticked the box to allow this? To, they're just like. This seems like movies and put this on the pro- the platform. <laughs> oh boy. I don't watch a lot of Netflix movies, so it's not a long list. Yeah. Um, I would say that there is a movie, but it doesn't really count because it was clear that they kind of bought it as uh, some sort of festival, darling. But there's a movie I watched that tip that is a Netflix movie that I love called Divine. Uh, that is obviously better than this movie because it's really good. Um, divine, but it's French, so it's pronounced oh. divine. Um, or I think it is. Uh, but that movie is really good, uh, Damon. If you haven't watched oh, it, no, is it, no, I think we talked about that movie on the podcast. Oh, did we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Probably, probably that year, that year yeah. we talked about it. Yeah, I think it came out like what was it, 2016 or right. the year it we started that movie? Our top tens and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's a Netflix movie, so there. Um, moving on. I rewatched Notting Hill today. Oh my god. That movie's amazing. Oh that movie's <laughs> fun. Yeah, that movie. It's on HBO. And I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> um, there are a couple of other things that I want to talk about. Um, wow. There is something on my list that I don't remember what it is. Okay. Um, I watched <laughs> Warrior, which is a shitty movie. Like, that I feel like is the TV version of Old Guard. Um, it is also a Netflix TV show. It is about this nunnery where they have, they don't have superpowers, but they're like a military arm and one person is chosen to put some sort of device in them that gives them superpowers, uh, kind of superpowers. Essentially, they become Captain America and it is bad, but it's the type of bad that I enjoy. <laughs> um, I also watched Cursed, another Netflix TV show with um, the daughter from Francis, what's her face's daughter from Knives Out. Um, it's essentially King Arthur. Uh, she is King Arthur, the sword Excalibur chooses her, and I think Arthur is actually in this. Morgana is in this. It's like, you know, it's essentially King Arthur side story. Um, I didn't mind it. It was fun. But again, another bad show. Uh, 
I we talked about Umbrella Academy. I have gone down a deep dark rabbit hole on Hulu, so much so that Hulu now just recommends me anime. <laughs> 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 so I rewatched all of Cowboy Bebop uh-huh. and I love that show. It's great. Yep. I am also currently in the middle of rewatching Trigon because you can't watch one without the other. Oh, that's right. I haven't seen that. Oh, no, Douglas, you son of a bitch. You need to watch Trigon. I have been, I've been like having my thumb over the idea of just buying those Blu-rays. Yeah. Because I've not watched them in so long. I have one. I don't have the other. I don't, I don't have the Blu-ray for Trigon. Although the Blu-ray that I have for Cowboy Bebop it's from a website that I should read. <laughs> I should have a look at that Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I bought it from discountanimedvds.com, which I don't think is legitimate. <laughs> yeah, I have to tell so you what I did when I was buying anime DVDs <laughs> in high school. I remember. I don't forget. I I think I even recommended you the website. I don't know if that was the one, but there was a website where like. When we were in high school, when I first bought, I bought a copy of both of Trigon and Cowboy Bebop on DVD. And like, it wasn't until years later, I look back at the disc and I'm like, this packaging is totally bootleg. This is, <laughs> this is not okay. Um, no wonder I could afford it when I was two or five years old, right? <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah. So I Trigon. wonder if Trigon even it because I have to tell you, the Cowboy Bebop quality was fairly decent on Hulu. The Trigon quality is not good. Yeah, maybe it didn't get the same love like everything else. I One of the things I always wonder about with this stuff, um, and this brings us back to our constant talk about streaming and ownership of media, um, because as you talk about this, one of the things I've been considering like ponying up for is a subscription for Funimation. Because... <laughs> Real like I was using I've been using Crunchyroll and one of the things that really upset me with Crunchyroll was around a year ago, um, Funimation like broke their contract with them and no more any of the Funimation like um historical catalog is no longer on there. Like there was a point where I was actually trying watching Trigon through Crunchyroll and then like in the middle of that like the contract broke and Trigon is no longer on there. Um, at the same time Funimation like opened up their own service. Right. Um, which, like, I've kind of scrolled through the catalog and it looks massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that expensive, I rem- if I remember last time I looked. Um, so I've been always pondering because also I keep trying to tell myself I have too many subscriptions. I shouldn't do this. Um, but at the same time, talking about ownership and all of this stuff, one of the things I'm always kind of upset at is with things like I want the X movie and I want it in the best quality. But in physical media, it's stuck on DVD. But if you go in a streaming service, you can get it in 4K. Yes. That upsets me. Because (laughs) on top of everything else, sure, if you have the best internet connection, it will still look pretty decent. It will look better than HD. But it's also not 4K. And this is an argument that I I got into with somebody on Twitter the other day where they were like, why doesn't HBO give 4K? I'm like, nobody does 4K online. Um... But, yeah, it, it upsets me that I there are things that you can't get on 4K in physical. It's um, the most infuriating with music. Yeah. Because oh, it upsets me. Like, yeah. 
Because I want music in the best quality and yeah. more and more there are no physical copies of some of the albums that I want. Exactly. And like, um, you're just stuck. came up with um, uh, Childish Gambino is one and then there's this other fella that um, I, I try to get music from. You can't, like Kanye West does things like put, well, I'm not a big Kanye West fan anymore, but he does things like put... It's only on title. Yeah. And then he changes the album for the first six months um, and mm -hmm. then it's final and then, you know, it's crazy. Actually, even Fiona Apple, I love Fiona Apple and I just got her album but it came out about six months ago but the physical copy wasn't available until a couple weeks ago yep. and it's ridiculous. I, I, I took the stand to say I'm not fucking getting an MP3 of that and Mm -hmm. not getting because to get the cd you get the the best quality right. it's it's like the, the only person i guess i've done it with and it's probably because i could get it for free was rtj where run the jewels came out with rtj4 and i said here are the mp3s pay me what you want and i just know that i'm waiting to pay them for the physical copy so i can get it to the best quality yep uh but yeah so i've been watching some anime and i feel like i might continue watching other things i don't know we'll see uh, go watch, go watch the anime that I keep telling da that Damien loves so much that I got him to watch, that I've now blanked on the name in this one moment of randomness that I've. One no, Punch well, Man. One Punch Man. Yes, watch season one of One Punch. Yes. Man. Go watch season two. I've already watched um, the first episode of One Punch Man. It was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is that? What what happened a while ago? There was some static. You, you said what now? A couple of years ago, it was on Netflix, and I watched the first episode and hated it. <laughs> There's more episodes. Watch the rest of them. You need to watch Hina Matsuri. Yes! Right. <laughs> Hina Matsuri is the best anime you will ever watch. It is tremendous. <laughs> okay. All right. I've so got Damien on my side, Douglas. It's that good. Uh, what? Yes. I've got Damien on my side. Do not watch him <laughs> That's outside. how good it is. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, Mob Psycho is good too, but I like Hinamatsuri above Mob Psycho. Yes. Hinamatsuri. Yeah. All right. So, so Douglas reminded me of a Meryl Streep movie I need to watch. No, sorry. Andrew did the Meryl Streep. Douglas did Trigon. And no, I'm going to have to. F can, does Hinamatsuri exist on Blu ray anywhere? Because I'm just going to buy it now and when Amazon ship it whenever I'll get it. You probably have to search on like a yesasia.com to find it. I don't know. So one last thing I'm going to talk about and I need to talk about it and people are going to get upset with me um, despite my actually liking it is The Last Dance. I watched The Last Dance mm -hmm. uh, and I like The Last Dance because of course there is nobody on this earth that can watch that man do the things that he can do and not enjoy watching it, mm -hmm. right? But I have to chastise the whole world. This <laughs> show is not good. Like, everybody seems to, to believe that this show is done particularly well and that, it, that they, they like it not because it relies on um, Michael Jordan's charisma. The greatest sportsman <laughs> ever do the greatest things ever in sport. 
that's why you like it. You yes. don't like it because it's good, 30 right? for 30. It's ESPN's 30 for 30 <laughs> rich large. That's all it fucking is. Yeah. Um, so, so I will give you this. The first, I would say half of that series is actually done well. But then they clearly hit a point where they were like, I, I mean, we don't need to do any work anymore, do we? And then the last half of that series is just, just, just throw things together and let's do the same backing and forthing that we did at first. I liked the way that they presented the information and the backing and forthing and stuff that they did at first. But that's back half of the, the show. I, I definitely knew I kept watching because but, I would have the opportunity to but see But he more played baseball, it. Douglas. He played baseball. <laughs> and nobody knew. <laughs> I, I loved certain moments in this show, though. I have to say, I was disappointed that there, were, there weren't more moments of him sitting down, watching a tablet, and laughing at somebody who thought they were better than him. Um, I want a TV series of just that. And that can be years long, right? They can have episodes of him just watching people on the internet and laughing because that was the best. Um, and specifically, there is a moment where they ask BJ Armstrong if Michael Jordan is a nice guy. And his response is... <laughs> when you have to spend about five minutes book shuffling and still not say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the first 30 seconds, his face is contorted and he only gets out like a noise mm -hmm. sounding like, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, well, listen, basketball is a tough sport. <laughs> like, what? Both teams played hard. Yeah, sir, this we, is not we, an investigation. We, Answer we, the question. <laughs> <laughs> played with a man yeah. for four years. Answer the question. Um, so see what had happened was. It's like, what is I have to give you some context. Just say no. <laughs> the answer is no. It's clear that Michael Jordan drove a hard bargain, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the worst people of all time, yes. Yep. And he he's obviously so competitive. Yeah. Uh, that it's not fun to be around most of the time. The answer is yes. <laughs> but the, the show was it I did learn a few things. Um obviously because as much as everybody would have seen as as I had some level of Michael Jordan playing, um I know I had seen him during the second three feet live. I had seen him, when I say live, on television in Jamaica, um, I had seen him at the Wizards, even though they didn't cover that in this show. No, that didn't happen. That didn't that happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> you can't prove that. I watched the full documentary and I didn't see any Wizards. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, things like Space Jam and all of that jazz that they didn't really um, touch on. But to just watch this man, his athleticism, some of the things so they would show a play and i would get so excited so genuinely excited damian it was as if i had to like look around mm -hmm. to see if anybody was watching me because i responded 
as if I was watching basketball. (laughs) (laughs) There was a a, a point where I think he was going up for a dunk Mm -hmm. and somebody went over him and mid-air he contorted his body so that he made almost like an S around the person. And oh my God. Um, yeah, I feel like you you felt like this the way everyone else did. Like because you have to realize this was happening like just in the first couple of months of of COVID quarantine with no sports. Mm-hmm. Everybody watches as if this was live sports. Yeah, like it was real sports. Yeah, that is why people like, know- that dunk was the hardest. <laughs> yeah, because we hadn't seen sports in two months. <laughs> so yeah, man. I mean, the show it's fun to watch, but you guys need to calm down. <laughs> and we will once sports came back. If they put that out, no, people would watch it, but the fervor wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we get it. Jordan is good. Thanks. <laughs> I have real sports to watch. <laughs> uh, I also love whenever these things come out, whenever these type of documentaries are the 30 for 30s and these players come up, you only care about this, these people when they're successful. When you're trash and you have the same attitude, <laughs> then you're derided. The ent- For your entire career, people are like, you're difficult to work with. Uh, he was always garbage. He was not fun to be around the whole night. But if you win, everyone's like, all right, come on. And then you justify it. You're just like, oh, he could have been a nice person and had his teammates work hard, but he's just garbage. And no one says that. He's just like, he was motivated and he didn't tolerate bad play and all these stupid things that he's like, no, he's a terrible person. And we shouldn't justify his terribleness because there is, you know, the ends don't justify the means. You don't have to be this person in order to be that good. And they'd, then they'd point and go, all right, who is that good that wasn't absolute garbage? And you go, Shaq. And then everyone changes the subject. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, Douglas, welcome to the group. You, have, you can now speak about basketball going forward. You've done the prerequisite and watch Michael Jordan be good. Congrats. Uh, your team is locked in a dead heat with Port- with Denver. Uh, I'm no, so you're upset that I can't watch that, that match. Uh, That's so weird. Because it's on my thing. Yeah, I have a feeling. No, well, NBA TV has like NBA action, so I think it's just scrolling through whatever is happening generally. There's um, a Lakers Rockets game. So yeah, I'm watching the Lakers Rockets game now. Um, but yeah, I think actually, I think I might have to buy the pass. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> uh, but yes, you, you you said that we're going to have to do a a, a fantasy league next year. Yep. And Andrew Robinson, you're cordially invited to the NBA fantasy. I league. mean, hopefully it's not like the NFL ones where they force you to have like ten people and we have to find a way to coordinate. But, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure for you finding NBA yeah, people isn't as hard. <laughs> Listen, you guys don't know anything. I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in like a group with Nicardo again. And I'm yep. going to have to figure out, and Joel. Have to figure out how awful I am at this thing. 
as awful as you want to be. Yeah, I, I, but I have a an an unbeatable strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pick Michael Jordan. Yep. <laughs> um, no one's allowed to take Kyle Lowry from me. No one would. <laughs> really, really, Andrew. <laughs> no one would. I'm just doubling down we're, hard. We're this. picking good players. <laughs> well, with that, it's time to say good night. I'm picking somebody from your team with Siakam. No one else is worth anything. Maybe Van Vliet. Look, All right, let me change. Van, Van. Van Vliet is actually my favorite. That's I love Van Vliet. <laughs> I saw this tiny man just like be awesome. I was like, oh, that's so great. And you should watch the Warriors. <laughs> this guy Steph Curry is really good. Back there by the baby grand, did Mr. Winter Wonderland say, "Come here, kid, we really need to talk." Bear with me, man. I lost my train of thought. I call it quick.